This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the result, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. So, the only thing left to say is, you win. Order now on the McDonald's app, and you can also get rewards points delivered too, so that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants, 18+, plus. rewards registration required. Points only on menu items. Delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Welcome to the Chelsea Fancast, fuelled by Guinness, powered by Celery, the show that will be getting a top knot in celebration of Batshuayi's two goals. Indeed we will. For those of us who've got hair, we'll be doing that, clearly. Anyway, uh, it turns out that the magic of the cup was somewhat absent at Stamford Bridge on Saturday. Uh, Instead, we had a very much needed stroll in beating Newcastle 3-0 And we head to the next round in a competition that is most likely our only realistic chance of a trophy this season. Although CFC away on Twitter has put me in my place saying, well, what about the Champions League? We shall see. Uh, But who would have thought that the star of the show would be the much maligned Michi Batshuayi, whose two goals make him joint top scorer with Eden Hazard and Alvaro Morata this season? As Antonio Conte hinted in the post-match presser, Perhaps it would be a good idea to keep the big Belgian, as well as bringing in another striker. No doubt the board will be offloading him in the next couple of days then. (sighs) Oh well, better the devil you know, the Chelsea fancast 412. Now, I'm delighted that uh, we have lots of devils in the house tonight. Well, that's unkind, actually. We've got a cracking show lined up tonight, as well as uh, my usual cohort, Mr. Jonathan Kidd. Oh, I'm feeling very devilish, actually. Oh, dear. You are. You are are a devil, Jonathan. That's for sure and for true. Um, I I mean, you are indeed Faustian. We have a Faustian pact, don't we, Jonathan? That's that's how the show is, what it is. Um, You're forced to have me on. (laughs) Well, not against my will entirely. But anyway, um, when I did the planning for this show, as I'm a genius, I thought, who can I get on the show... Uh, around the transfer deadline day that we'll know more about it than me and Jonathan combined and then some. And, of course, the answer to that question is Ollie Harbord, from, uh, who's the Chelsea uh, correspondent for Football.London, and uh, Liam Toomey, who's the Chelsea correspondent from ESPN. So uh, aren't I clever? Well, actually, the reality is, of course, they just happen to be available on this particular day. But that aside, I'm definitely going to take all the credit. Um, Ollie, it's brilliant to have you on the show, as always, mate. Good, good to see you. Evening, good to be back. Thanks for having me once again. 
absolute pleasure. We missed you the other week because we had you lined up the other week, I think. But uh, you, you were you were busy at a press conference or something. I can't remember what it was now. Well, no, Lee, Liam and I were both at the um, both at the council meeting uh, to do oh, with the uh, right. stadium. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah the, probably the most that's confusing right. council meeting that we had, which was over in a good five minutes. Um, yeah, yeah, quicker than we thought it would. But uh, yeah, so it was quite a, quite a busy one last uh, last Monday as well. Mate, you, you, we, we were glad you were there, but disappointed you weren't here, if you see what <laughs> I mean. Um, I'm very, very glad that uh, Liam Toomey's here, because we love Liam on this show. He, he comes out with so much sense. Uh, Liam, of course, as I said, is the Chelsea correspondent for ESPN. Great to have you on the show again, Liam. It's a pleasure to be back, guys. Thanks for having me. I was, uh, I was, I was originally slated to be on the one earlier in the month, wasn't I? But you, you failed the late fitness chess, Chidge. Oh, God, yeah, that's right. You're tr- so basically, I've spurned both of you in the last month, uh, which is which is appalling. No, I was, I tell you what, Liam, I was proper ill. So uh, I apologise for that. And I, and I did miss you too. So there you go. We will no doubt more than make up for it tonight. Because, uh, as I said, we've got um, a cracking show lined up. And I'm going to pick these clever boys brains like you wouldn't believe. Uh, for those who listen to this regularly, you'll be delighted to know that we'll be hearing more from Liam and Ollie and less from me and Jonathan tonight. It's one of those fan casts tonight. And Jeez. also, we don't have a ra- what, what, what? I'm I'm off now. I'm, uh, you've got two of the greats on. You know, <laughs> I know. We you we know. can just sit back and listen, can't we? It's we great. can. Well, yeah. Alternatively, you know. I'll go and have a cup of tea and come in a, a very long yeah. wee, very long wee or something. Yeah. You know, but yeah. Although I have to say, Jonathan, you you've yeah. been you've been on quite good form recently. You've been coming out with some some very clever, considered stuff. Don't think I haven't noticed. Oh, thank you. There we go. Right. Let's tell the listener what we've got on the show tonight. Well, um, we're going to ask, uh, should we keep Batshuayi and would it be better to have three strikers rather than just two? Uh, In part two, we're going to discuss who Chelsea face in the next round of the FA Cup. In a second, I'm going to turn on the telly and find out what's going on. But that should be uh, revealed by the time that we uh, do part two. Uh, We're also going to ask, is Marcus Alonso the best free kick taker we've ever seen at the bridge? That's going to be an interesting debate. And should Conte get more credit for giving the youth minutes on the pitch? Because I think that's somewhat gone under the radar. Uh, in part three, we are, I'm afraid, going to have to wallow in the misery at the Carabao Cup semi-final defeat to Arsenal last week. And then we will pick Ollie and Liam's brains particularly about what will happen as the transfer window approaches the Wednesday deadline. And of course, to round things up, in part four, we've got more emails for Jonathan to read out. So there you go. Much the same as always, but different. Uh, Now, don't forget, of course, you can listen to the show live every Monday uh, at seven o'clock by going to Mixler, which is mixlr.com forward slash Chelsea hyphen fancast, where, of course, you can join in the chat by posting on the live chat page, as so many do. Loads of you in there, lots of regulars, Chuckles, Cabby. Uh, who I saw at the uh, at the CSC UK stand on Saturday, and uh, if she don't come, is in there. Bonnie Rig Blues, John Chips Chiverton, Mr Glover's in the house. I love it when Tony's in there. It's great. Uh, so there we go. Oh, Heon's in there too. God, it's like a almost like an unofficial podcast going on in there. So there we go. You can join in all of that. It is great fun. You can totally ignore anything we say and just talk amongst yourselves. You usually talk more sense. That's kind of how it works. Now, uh, other than that, you can tweet Chelsea Fancast at Chelsea Fancast uh, during the show. I don't often get round to replying, but I'll do my best later. And you can, you know, just let us know what you think about anything: games, football, whatever. Uh, right after this small break, we're going to start talking football. Yeah! 
Okay, uh, time to kick off the proper football chat in the old ye old Chelsea fancast. And uh, uh, I mean, as I said, we'll talk about about the game generally in in part two. But the first thing I really wanted to pick up on is, is really to do with a Batshuayi's performance um, and. And you know Conte's kind of intriguing comments in the in the press uh, conference afterwards. But you know the the fact of the matter is is that he didn't pick him against Arsenal uh, the other day when he had a, an excuse so to do because you know again on Saturday we were without Morata and in this instance uh, we were without William. So you know he, he kind of it seems to me he uses poor old Batshuayi as like the forlorn hope of Chelsea. You know, when all other options are expended, oh, well, I suppose I'd better put you on. I don't expect you to do anything. And, of course, typically he scores two goals, and one of them was actually a proper striker's goal, I thought. Um, but he also, you know, again, it's that whole thing about playing in the right formation. He looks more comfortable in it. He plays better. Uh, his movement was better. And he's now, bl- blow me, he scored 12 goals, which is the same as Morata and Hazard, uh, but in a far better goals-per-minute ratio, whatever that means. Um, so, you know, the, the, we seem to be in, a, in some sort of a typically Chelsea conundrum, you know, uh, with talk about signing another striker, perhaps not Dzeko, perhaps Giroud, who knows, the boys on the show will know more than me, you know, but do, does he go on loan or, or, or should we keep him in, you know, because he can clearly do a job for Chelsea, can't he, Jonathan, or can he? No, he can't, he's terrible. Yeah, I knew he... I knew I could rely on you. <laughs> he really is, come on, come on, Chich, we're all... We're all doing him a favour by saying that he's turned a corner. You know, I each uh, the very fact we're having to debate whether he's any good or not, he's terrible. He, he just happened to be, you know, he wandered into the penalty area at the right time to score the first goal. Bloody hell, my, my, you could have exhumed my, my mother to, to score that goal. You know, she, the coffin would have yeah, just been P- there. Pinky was, a, Pinky was a great footballer. So he was, he was. Well, I'm glad you remembered her first name. Yeah, she'd have deflected it off the coffin beautifully. Would have gone in. (laughs) I mean, and the the second goal, all right. You know, he was in position, but he just misses. He he's he doesn't go for the board. Doesn't run into the right areas. He doesn't. He falls over. He he fouls. He he he, he's just. He's like a sort of gangly puppy. He's just. I've given up. I don't care how many goals he scores. We shouldn't be having a player like him playing for Chelsea. He's not good enough. We want to have top players. And then, and then we're debating Giroud apparently wants too much money. I mean, all right, he's all right for a kind of stopgap. Can we not try and buy someone else who's a bit better and, and who wants to play for us as well? It's, we're, we're such a laughing stock. This constant debate of whether even debating whether Batshuayi is any good or not makes us a laughing stock. You know, as well as all the, the, the idiocy of the Crouch stuff and the uh, the Carroll stuff, which I know I I'm sorry I kept tweeting about how ridiculous it all was, and it was just it was it was people making it up to try and demean Chelsea. We just come across as being idiots. At the moment, our profile in the press is so dreadful. Um, and yet, um, uh, you know, we're, 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 still, we're still in the top four. It's not as if it's been a disastrous season. I mean, but as, as you've said before, Chich, the, uh, the, the manager being um, slightly away with the fairies most of the time doesn't help with it. You know, he's, he's now coming. We, we, you know, we're, we're going to go on to this, aren't we? I, I would not to talk about this now, but it's... Uh, you are, your premature ejaculation. As usual, as usual. But anyway, my Batshuayi reaction is, yes, please, no, let's... Loan him out. Get somebody well, okay. else. No, Quickly. no, no. Fair oh, enough, mate. God. mate uh, Jonathan, God. as always, I, I applaud your honesty. But 
I'm now going to bring some sense into yes, it. Yes, yes, bring uh, the sensible as, people as, in. That's as, in our, as our Ollie and Liam. That's my sole I mean, contribution, Chidge, to the whole thing now. I'll wait till the email. But I think... Uh, after that, you probably need a lie down, Jonathan. So I do, I do. I'll tell you what, keep, keep a watching me. brief on the FA Cup draw for us. Yeah, good right. idea, I'll um, do that. Yeah, OK, good stuff. My point is this, is that, you know, I think that in the summer, um, we, we dropped a bollock, basically, because going into this kind of a season when we've got four uh, competitions to play, whereas last year we didn't, you need three strikers because, you know, sometimes one or two of them are going to be out of form and sometimes one or two of them are going to be injured. And that's exactly what's happened. So you've had a kind of a, a perfect storm of it recently. So I think you need three strikers. We needed them in the summer. We certainly need it again now. So I think sending him out on, on loan when we get somebody else in is beyond stupid. Although I do accept Jonathan's point. It would be utterly hypocritical to sit here and say, I think he's the new Messiah when we've been coaching him off for most of the season. However... I do think he can do a job. And what I also think is that getting another striker, you know, up till now, it was supposed to be Dzeko, would have made a lot of sense because Morata um, can play with Hazard up front. Uh, Batshuayi, I think, can do a job for us when he's got two of William, Pedro and Hazard around him, which is what we saw against Brighton and Newcastle. And, I mean, Dzeko, presuming that he was the guy, can go up, up front on his own. So I think that that gives... Morata have a lot of options. So that's what I think, Ollie. But, I mean, does that matter what I think? You know, is he crap? Should we let him go? Do you think he'll go out on loan? What's going on? Well, to be honest as well, in Conte's eyes, he's not even second-choice striker, really. Um, you know, if if Pedro hadn't been suspended against Brighton, he wouldn't have played. Pedro probably would have played with Hazard and Willian. Um, you know, Willian got injured against Arsenal. He didn't even bring Batshuayi on. He brought Ross Barkley on instead. And there's no doubt that if William had been fit then against Newcastle, in my eyes, he would have played Hazard and Pedro. So in Conte's mind, if he brings in another striker, Batshuayi really is number four choice. And he probably thinks that he doesn't need to have four strikers, which is why he would send out Batshuayi on loan. Um, you know, I agree with with Jonathan. I mean, it's just his all-round all game. I, I was quite lucky on at the weekend, actually, to be sitting next to Mark Bright, obviously former Crystal Palace striker. Um, who said? Have told him to come on, mate. Yeah, well, he was he was obviously watching Batshuayi quite uh, quite uh, a lot, and he was basically saying that he's quite a painful striker to watch, um, you know. And that even when he it was quite interesting what he was talking about, you know, his runs behind, not making those runs, and his positioning, and also just his just his desire to get that hat trick, you know. As he was saying to me, that strikers don't get the chance to score hat tricks very often, but yet at some points he was out wide right, he was out wide right, like left. He had a smile on his face. He didn't look hungry to go and get that third goal. And I think that's something that maybe Conte is looking for in another striker. I think a loan deal is, is good for him to go out because, honestly, I think that if another striker comes in, if it is Giroud, say, and Giroud can obviously play in the Champions League, I just don't think Batshuayi is going to get anywhere near the team. Mm. OK, fair enough. Uh, so that's two two to one. I'm just hoping that Li Liam's going to stick it in the back of the net and, and <laughs> I'll come out relatively unscathed as a 2-2 draw. I mean, here's the thing. I, I, the, the one point I picked up on Liam that Ollie said here, which I really have an issue with, I don't have an issue with the fact that if Conte doesn't think he's good enough, then fine. But what I do have an issue with is is letting him go on loan and only getting one striker in when Conte explicitly says that he needs more than two strikers, which I happen to agree with. So how does that work? Well, I mean, he's as Ollie said, he's been talking, Conte's been talking recently about the fact that 
Hazard is he counts Hazard as one of his strikers that Hazard as a false nine um is is his second choice really for any game that matters ahead of ahead of Batshuayi and I think that will continue to be the case if if another striker comes in by Wednesday um but the problem with that is we, you know you've now got Charlie Masonda going on loan to Celtic he hasn't actually got many wide forwards either so if you move Hazard central you've only really got Pedro Pedro and William um, and, and maybe Barkley now once he gets up to speed. But, it, you know, the blanket doesn't quite cover every part of the body in, in terms of this squad. And it's uh, if, if you move Hazard from one place to another, it, it, create, it, it can maybe create a, a thin, thinness elsewhere. Um, they de- there's, there's, a, there's a phrase that Conte often uses, which I think goes to the heart of his problem with Batshuayi, which is he always talks about how he wants his strikers to be a point of reference for the entire attack. His, Conte's quite specific in what he demands of his strikers in that there are a lot of, a lot of passes going from the mid, midfielders and the wide forwards into the strikers' feet, and he's expected to be able to hold off defenders, bring, bring people into play and really set the table for the entire team to, to move forward and, and stretch the opposition. And Morata, at his best, when he was in August and September, was actually really, really good at that. He's a he's a better he's a better technical footballer than Costa was. He doesn't have the same force of will or or, or finishing clearly, um, but he, he he's certainly a better technical footballer. And his intelligence for what's around him uh, was also excellent. And he developed an instant understanding with Hazard. Batshuayi has very little of that, and he's he's shown a little more evidence in the last couple of weeks where he's done it in, in little fits and spurts but Conte needs it for 90 minutes and that's why they looked at Dzeko that's why they're looking at someone like Giroud who is actually a very intelligent um, target man in the way he brings other people into play uh, that's ideally what Conte wants but on the other hand I mean Batshuayi's goal record is good and at this stage of the window um, I think it would be better for Chelsea to not do not do a bad deal and and keep Batshuayi um, rather than just signing any old number nine who who may or may not actually match Conte's specifications anyway because it's not it won't necessarily be that easy to find a striker who can match Batshuayi's goal record over the second half of the season that's not that's not an insignificant thing to give up when you're still competing on in multiple competitions Mm. Well, I mean, so you're kind of like, you know, I mean, Jonathan and Ollie are saying get rid. Me and you are. I mean, I hope I'm not putting words in everybody's mouth here, but it seems <laughs> to me that you and I are saying keep him for kind of the same reason. You know, I, I you know, I, I'm under no illusion. The, the kid is not ready yet, but I still think he can do a job. He can stick the ball in the onion bag. My suspicion, however, is that he can stick the ball in the onion bag against shit teams. But, you know, would you want him starting against Barcelona? Uh, probably not. Or, or, or any decent team where we absolutely have to get a result. But I, 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 I'm with you, Liam. I think we need numbers. We really, really do. And, I mean, I'd have no problem, you know, keeping him and having a, another option as a striker as well. Um, but I think it really, it just all goes back to, to I think, the, the fundamental rick that the club made by letting too many people go and not getting enough people in in the summer and, and the chickens are coming home to roost. But there you go. Um, as we were you know, waffling on about all of that, of course, the, uh, the FA Cup draws come in and we have got Hull at home. Jonathan, what do you think of that? Fantastic. 
good, somebody I don't have to worry about, and we can just probably win quite easily. And therefore, I won't be yeah. hiding under the parapet as usual if we play somebody. Well, no, that, quite that's good. right. I mean, you you are, of course, infamously the advocate of getting the shittest team we possibly can, so we we get an easy passage. And I think, you know, right now, it being that I think it is our our, our most realistic chance for trophy, I, I would side with you on that. So the the idea of Sheffield Wednesday away or Millwall away or oh. whatever it happens to be, uh, they they can wait because uh, I, I'm kind of glad we've got. Uh, We've got Hull City. And the interesting thing is, for those of you who were able to watch it on the telly, uh, you would have seen a Chelsea supporter shaking the hand of a Hull City fan. That was uh, Rob, Rob Palmer, who uh, who does all... Or he's kind of like come into the Chelsea Supporters Trust uh, board to uh, to deal with all the membership recruitment and all, and all of that. So that was Rob. So there you go. He had his, he had his 15 seconds of fame there. <laughs> uh, right, um... Does anybody? What, what do you think, Ollie, about the cup, Hull, Hull at home? It's pretty, yeah, pretty I, decent draw. I really. think that's a that's a really good draw. I mean, uh, as I thought, playing Newcastle at the time, you know, when everything's going on behind the scenes at Newcastle, I think uh, that was the perfect time to play them. And I think to play Hull at home should give him a chance, give Conte a chance to uh, to rotate a little bit as well. And it should be should be <laughs> say that um, you know, hopefully that it will be a be pretty comfortable uh, route into the next round as well. Mm. Well, uh, uh, Liam, what do you what do you say about that whole good draw for us? Yeah, I think Conte will be very very happy with that. Um, another home draw, another chance for him to to maybe rotate some players uh, and still get the result that he needs because he's he's shown a greater willingness this year in the early rounds to make eight nine changes to his team, um, and it, and it has worked because they did get to the semi finals of the Carabao Cup. And he might even have a chance to to give some of the younger players another go, particularly someone like Ethan Ampadu. Mm. Well, I don't know. I, I, I hope, and I mean, you know, if anything's to go by with the team selection on Saturday, which we'll talk more about in a minute, I think he'll put a fairly strong team out. I think he put pretty much the strongest team he could put out uh, against yeah. Newcastle and was justified in doing that. But I'll tell you what, though, what we haven't thought about, you realise when it is, don't you? It's the It's the weekend before the Barcelona home tie. Yeah, I think rotation might be uh, might be required for that one, especially because um, I mean that's the that's the first leg, so they won't really know they won't have any idea where they are in the tie yet. If if, if they'd lost the first leg heavily and then the FA Cup game was before the second leg, you could maybe argue for prioritising that. But uh, I think they'll they'll he'll have to try and put himself in position to do well in both games. Well. Here's the thing. Uh, Jonathan, do you think Batshuayi will be starting that game? Undoubtedly, if he's still with the club, yes. <laughs> <laughs> well, we shall see. We shall see. What about you, Ollie and Liam? Ollie, Ollie do you think he'll be starting? Um, no, I don't. I think, well, no. as, as, as JK says, if he's, if he's there, yes, but I don't think he will be, no. You don't think he's going to be there, do you? No, mm. I don't. No. Okay. Well, we're going to get to that more in part three. I can't wait. I'm intrigued. Uh, Liam, do you think he'll be starting? I well, I, I'm I'm leaning more towards him not being at, at at Chelsea after Wednesday. I think they're they're scrambling around with such intent for for a striker that they may well get one over the line. Okay. And if they do, he'll he'll go on loan. 
I've got to say, you two boys are proper professionals. They, they're teasing this like you wouldn't believe, Jonathan, aren't they? I mean, we never do this as well as they do. You know, even in the shit that I write before we throw to the break, I don't get a tease in like that. I can't wait. You have to wait, people who are listening live. They'll be telling us all about who they think is coming or going in part three. Right. Uh, in, a, in a few minutes, uh, we're going to discuss. Uh, well, we've already d- done that, so I can tick that off the list. Uh, although we might revisit uh, the FA Cup next round. Uh, we're also going to be talking about Marcos, Marcus Alonso. Is he the best free kick taker we've seen at the bridge? And uh, other things besides, including things like should Conte get a little bit more credit for uh, trying out the youth, or is it all a smokescreen? We'll be back in a sec. The only place for Chelsea fans. Footballfancast.com Real fans, real opinions. I'm Jason Cundy, and you're listening to Chidge and the boys on the Chelsea Football Fancast. Total nutters and proper Chelsea. Right, welcome back. I'm Stanford Chidge, and we're already in part two uh, of the uh, Chelsea Fancast, which has uh, been interesting already, not least because we've got some fabulous people uh, joining me and Jonathan tonight, and they are Ollie Harbord of Football.London. Hello, Ollie. Good evening. And uh, we've got the fabulous Liam Toomey from ESPN. Good evening. There you go. There's proof that they're proof of life, you see. When they, they talk back to you, you know that they're there. Uh, now, talking of proof of life, I'm going to have a bit of a moan. I'm going to have a bit of a moan up here. Bonnie Rig Blues, who's uh, in Mixler tonight, knows that my Chelsea uh, Chelsea uh, CFC UK fanzine article was massively moany. It was the rantings of a grumpy old man. And I have to say, um, I, I was, I, you know... Look, when I was a kid, the FA Cup meant something. You know, it was it was, you know, it was really really important. You know, even if you were playing Newcastle in the fourth round, and uh, football has changed immeasurably. I mean, I sit in the back of Gate Seventeen, and and I tell you what, there was a handful of the regulars there. Uh, lots of I actually I actually had to move out of my seat and stand up at the back because the the person that was sitting to my left is probably a listener to this show and he's probably never going to listen again but he was american he'd clearly never been there before really didn't know much about football and i'm not saying that you know that's the case with all americans many of whom we know and love and know as much if not more than we do but i think the person he was with was rather large so he basically was encroaching on my on my seat and making me very uncomfortable so not only did I have to listen to them droning on about absolute bollocks for most of the game, I, I had to. I was I was uncomfortable. So I voted with my feet and I got up to the back and I supported like a proper supporter at the back. So there we go. But I mean, the the, the whole point about it is, is that you know, on the one hand, it's great because it gives uh, a lot of supporters who don't normally get the chance to go a chance to go, and it's only thirty quid. Um, you know, it was lovely to see, for example, there were lots of, uh, you know, mums taking their kids and dads and mums taking their kids, and that was a really nice thing to see around where I was. Uh, but on the other hand, it just disappoints me that it, it's considered, well, that's one we can just long off because it's only the cup. And I, and I think that that's all wrong. I mean, Jonathan, no doubt all of you, all, all of your posh people were all there because you kind of have to go, don't you? It's like a three-line whip to go to every game and have your three-course meal. Well, as it's part of your uh, season ticket already, um, it would be foolish not to go uh, because the, um, the venison pies were there. And um, 
consequently, uh, uh, they only have them on certain games, and we were informed of that. So um, we're all salivating in the corridors to get oh. into the place. Did I, did I have a venison pie when I sat with you? You did, Chidge. You I certainly did, did, yes. I think, you, I think you They're had two. Good. You had two, didn't you? I probably did. I think I you did. did um, but yeah, because no, it's part of the, the ticket. But also, um, you know, we're not... Uh, people take the mickey out of... of um, hospitality people, but everybody in Aussies, um, uh, nearly everybody there has been there for 25 to 30 years. And there, that was when it wasn't Aussies and Bates made it into a hospitality area. It was just a, you know, a, a part of the part of the East stand that you sat in and watched the football. And it was really, you know, it was, it was middle tier and near the pitch and it was, um, it's a great view. So it, we're just all fans. Some very knowledgeable people there who've watched hundreds and hundreds of games thousands of away games i suppose one of the advantages is if you're you're over 60 you've made a bit of dosh and you've uh, you've retired you just go to all the away you go to every away game and every european away game and and have a, a mass of knowledge and um an experience of of watching the blues for for over 40 to 50 years having attended so many games wonder some wonderfully informed people there in where i sit but um but well, yeah you know, I've I got to be honest. I mean, you know, if you can afford it, why not? I, look, as I said, I, I, I'm conflicted by this. I think it's, 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 it's clearly a wonderful opportunity for people who don't often get the chance to go to a game, to go to a game at a reasonable price. It was lovely to see lots of uh, really small kids there as well, and I think that's great. But, I mean, you know, it, 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 I'm just disappointed that a lot of the regulars choose not to go, you know. I mean, and when I say regulars, I mean, these are clearly season ticket holders because obviously they're mainly season ticket holders around me, but they kind of just thought, well, no, sod that, I'm not going to go, which I think is a shame. Anyway, enough of me moaning. Um, here's the thing, chaps. Um, it's a funny game, really. Funny old game, funny old game. I mean, Newcastle were really poor. They were like a championship side. But I have to be honest, after what we've gone through in the last few weeks, you know, I, for one, really needed a nice kind of sonambulant, uh, non-stressful, simple, strolling 3-0 win in the Cup on Saturday. And uh, and thankfully, that's exactly what Rafa delivered to us, I think, Ollie. Um, do you think we needed that? Yeah, absolutely. I think after the Arsenal defeat... Um... You know, as I said before, I think Newcastle at home, if you're going to play any Premier League side, is probably one of the, the more perfect Premier League sides to be playing um, with everything that's going on at the moment behind the scenes with them and Mike Ashley in the takeover. And, you know, they're only able to really bring in Kennedy on loan, who obviously couldn't play in the match as well. Um, you know, I think it was a really good time to, to play them. Uh, and sometimes you just need those games, don't you, after the Arsenal the game, obviously, another midweek game with Bournemouth as well. So just to have a to play a poor Newcastle side, who offered, you know, very little. Um, really, Caballero had to make a few decent saves, and I was again impressed with Caballero as well. I thought he had a very good game, um, but you know, they they didn't really offer a great amount, and it was just nice to to be able have to basically have it done by half time, and then Alonso just putting the icing on the cake. Mm. Yeah, it was a walk in the park, really, Ollie, wasn't it? I'm sorry, Ollie, it was Liam. I mean, it, it, I, I didn't know any stage. And this is, the, as I said, this is what I mean by, you know, I kind of needed it in a sense. You know, I never ever at one stage in that game thought we're not going to win this. And I, and I have to say, I, I was relieved to have, have that experience for a change. Yeah, it hasn't been a very common one in, in 2018, particularly. No. Um, no. But it, it's, it was a funny, funny thing, because I think in the first 20, 30 minutes... Newcastle actually started okay, and 
and I think there was a there's a wider theme here which Conte will have to address, which is that teams increasingly know how to press Chelsea into silly mistakes when they're trying to play the ball out in this three four three. Now they seem to know where all the all the preferred passing angles are, and, uh, and Newcastle got a lot of joy out of that. I remember Zappacosta and Drinkwater in particular giving the ball away in bad areas, and it was only because Newcastle had absolutely nothing in the final third that it didn't really lead to any huge danger. But um, as as teams at that end of the table tend to do, they they switched off at crucial moments in the first half and, and Chelsea did well to punish them. I mean, Batshuayi didn't have to work hugely hard for either of his goals, but the, the first one in particular was a really nice move. Fantastic ball from Pedro. Um, mm. who, it was good to see good to see a flash of quality from him because I think he's been a bit disappointing in recent mm. months. Uh, and then I think Alonso had a really nice game as well, considering he, yeah. he hasn't had a rest in about eight months. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. He's still still covering the ground. Well, I mean, here's the thing, Lee. I mean, he he has looked knackered, you know, in one or two games recently, which is hardly surprising uh, and a great shame. I mean, I don't don't understand why he gets so much stick from Chelsea supporters, uh, well, uh, as do so many of the team, which uh, astonishes me. But particularly Alonso, I think he's been one of our best players this season. I really do. I absolutely love the man, uh, George Michael haircut and all. Uh, and yet again, he, he, he puts away an absolutely superb uh, free kick. Uh, he's now apparently got seven goals this season. Um, he's some player and he's got great technique, hasn't he, Liam? Yeah, he's he, he's really good. I think he surpassed all expectations that even people at Chelsea had for him when they signed him because he wasn't, you know, Alexandro was always first choice in that position. He was always Conte's priority target. And Alonso was just a deal they knew they could get done in the final days of of that summer 2016 window and he and and more than just being a, a nice system player he's actually um he he's actually popped up with so many crucial goals and he he's he's got fantastic technique great he's one of the best finishers inside the penalty area at the club i think with yeah. with both feet well, and then when you well, add, so he's got great technique he's yeah, got great he, technique i mean that, a, that volley that volley was great so many times yeah it was great yeah, great volley superb. Yeah. yeah i mean and, superb. shame we didn't have a striker coming in on the end of it <laughs> who said that yeah and, and where the and where the technique really shines through is with his with his free kicks because it's so yeah. con, it's so consistent even the ones that he doesn't score um he very rarely misses the target and he usually forces the keeper to work quite hard so yeah he's a he's been a really valuable player for Chelsea much more than than I think they ever thought he would be well here's the thing a little kind of bit of impartiality so we'll we'll ask Ollie first but uh, you know I'm sure I saw this somewhere on Twitter today but people say is he the best uh, free kick taker at Chelsea ever well that's a I thought that's a really good question actually I mean I always used to think Franco was pretty good Um, but I mean he's got to be and William had his you know he had that spell of you know banging in free kicks every time he took one recently but uh well, what do you think, Ollie? You know, in your experiences, you, I mean, Jonathan will have the, the casting vote on this because, of course, he's been watching since the fifties. Uh, <laughs> what do you think? Yeah, I mean, Zola, Zola was sensational from the dead ball, but um, mm. you know, I, I do. I, it's really hard to say there's been much better, really, because it's just one of those things when he steps up to the ball, you just, as Liam said, his consistency means that you just know something's going to happen. You know, you're going to see the goalkeeper probably scrambling across the, the the goal and trying to make a decent save. Um, you know, there shouldn't be anyone else on that pitch at the moment, even Willian going close to those free kicks, unless maybe they're a bit further out and David Luiz is actually on the pitch and fancies a bit of a pop. But even then, you know, it's unlikely that's going to go in. 
Um, I just think, yeah, his, his free kick is just sensational. It's just every time you know it's going to be on that top corner or around that top corner as well. And, and it's hard to think of a player that's that's really had that consistency of, of free kicks and, uh, and ability to get it up and over the wall and into the back of the net as many times as he has. Mm. He's hit the bar. Pradge's, a lot. He's hit the yes, bar he has. Yeah, as well, absolutely. Yeah. yeah, yeah. He has too. Pradge, Pradge on Mixler has, has given a shout out to Alex. I mean, to be really honest, Pradge, I only remember one uh, free <laughs> kick that Alex took, and I think that I think the ball is still on its way to Scotland as we speak, going through the net and the Matthew Harding upper uh, or lower. Even, uh, of course, my old buddy Stuart Kinner's in the house tonight. Goodness me, hello, Stu. Hope you're well. Um, he says Franco versus Barcelona. Yeah, you're right, mate. It was 99. Sure of it. Yeah, that was superb. And Franco did quite a few. There was something about Franco's free kicks that were always endearing. But I've got to say, Alonso is up there. Right, uh, the casting vote goes to Jonathan because he's seen, he probably saw Frank Bluntstone take a free kick or something. I did, maybe, I did. Maybe even Hugh, I did. Maybe even, there we go. See, was, I thought so. He was one maybe of my Maybe even Hughie Gallagher. He was one of my favourite players. No, Hughie Gallagher's a little yeah. bit further back, Chidge, let's be yeah, honest. Yeah, yeah. But George so Hilston, so George, then, Hil- George Hilston, Hilston, he took a few. No, I don't. I'm kidding. I don't remember him at all. I think that uh, I think Tony Dorigo. So come on then. No, Tony Dorigo was good. Yeah, but yeah, I, but I actually think that kick. the um, everybody's got a bit more sussed about taking free kicks. There used to be a period where people would just blast it or not even bother. They just chip it over. And uh, I think Franco was one of the first to um, uh, to consistently up and down, mate. Top, up and down, top left and right corner. I think he was yeah. wonderful at that. You could be pretty sure that he'd put in a, he'd uh, he 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 test the goalkeeper, and it was always very disappointing when he missed. With with Alonso, it's very rare. I think as you said, one of you said earlier, very rare that he doesn't cause the goalkeeper either to save or 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 miss the target. And I think that's mm. the most impressive thing for me in a in an era where so many people obviously clearly practice free kicks and think that they're experts. And I think he, for me, he's, uh, he's top banana. I remember Venables taking a few, but he tended to do tricky ones. He'd sort of chip it on over, over the wall and, um, and fail a bit and then do wall passes. He's, Venables scored a wonderful goal against Roma um, in the Fairs Cup when we won 4-1 at the bridge. And uh, my memory of it is completely diff- different to what happened, apparently. But all I remember is him doing a kind of wall pass and then r- r- strolling around the goalkeeper and scoring the other side of the wall. He sort of fainted to go one way with it, but I, he didn't do that regularly. But uh, he, he, he had a go, Venables. He was always trying to find another way of not just, you know, um, they, people didn't. I think the ball was so heavy in that era that you couldn't chip it in the same way. And um, it was just a very different weight. So you you blasted it. You got lots of deflections off the wall, or or people not standing firm in the wall, and it would um, flick off and go into the uh, into the goal via via somebody's knee. Um, but I think with the with the balls getting lighter and the plastic coating, I think that was when people realised that they could score more from um, from free kicks near the goal. But no, I, I, the answer to that question is that I should have been sh- um, briefer. Is yet I think Alonso is the best I've ever seen. And I'm, really? I, yeah, wow. yeah. And I'm 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 actually so pleased for him because uh, people are so rude about him, which I don't understand. I yeah. think he's yeah. I, I think yeah. he's he's. Let's be honest. He's not one of the. He's not a great defender, but he's a great trier. I'm, I love triers. And uh, not that that God you know, loves it, a trier. It, is, is sufficient. Well, you know, within the you know, I, I loved um, um, Johnny Bumpstead. 
and uh, Mickey Thomas never stop running. Yeah. Um, but yeah. but at the same time, skillful. You know, I'm not saying well, just somebody has a go. But I I, I think he's um, uh, as you say, his 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 ability to shoot is uh, is as good as any striker, any of the strikers we've got. And uh, and his non-stop running. I think somebody did a. Um, some stats that he runs more than anybody else. Well, he has to because he's up, up in attack and then he's back in defence again. But I'm a bit confused, therefore, as to why we're supposedly getting Palmieri as, as a replacement for him has been stated. Why would we, we want we, to we will replace hold, we him? We will hold our fire on that one because that's coming up in part, right. part three. I'll tell, you who, I'll tell you who else could take a free or could take a free kick, Jonathan, that we haven't mentioned, which amazes me, really. Yeah. Frank Lampard. Yeah, Frank. You know, could, yeah, Frank, you're Frankie right. You're right. You're right. Kicks. Yeah, you're right. But did he did he you always know. take them? Did he always take them, or wasn't it well, spread about? Didn't Didier have a go occasionally? And uh... well, yeah, yeah. Did he? Did drugs would often take them and often miss them. But he'd, he'd basically bully Frank out of it. But I remember a, an amazing one that Frank took, where he basically took it from about it looked about 30 yards out i'm sure it was against hull or somebody like that and he absolutely lester maybe but he, he walloped it and it, it, it was a superb goal anyway um moving on uh, i'm going to keep to the theme of uh, of wing backs um because i i was intrigued by uh well i wasn't really intrigued by zappa costa's selection because uh, you know he was bound to rotate it but i i'll be honest with you i've been really disappointed with moses uh this season, to be honest, I, I, I was talking to Gion before we, we we went on air, and I and I'm and I said I don't think that that Moses has been as good or the same player since he got sent off for diving, in I think it was the FA Cup final. But the problem I have with Moses at the moment is that he doesn't really fulfil the prerequisite of a wing back, which is to be able to beat a man, uh, cross the ball, or shoot. He couldn't, I mean, as I said on last week's show, at the moment he can't beat an egg. So. Um, Having Zappa Costa play, I thought was 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 good news. But I mean, he didn't disappoint. I thought he had an excellent game, and I kind of wonder, uh, Ollie, whether he he wouldn't be a better option at the moment than than Moses. Um, yeah, I, I still I'm not overly convinced by either the, of them at the moment this season. Um, as you say, you know, Moses's contribution so far in the Premier League has not been particularly great. One assist, one goal, and if you think about you know, where the, a lot of the goals have come from as well. And the ball's been going wide quite a lot. And you see how many assists, you know, Asper Laquette has been getting from Murata this season. You'd think that Moses's assist rate would be a, a lot higher up there. Um, you know, Zabikosta shows some really good games in flashes. And that's that's the real issue with him at the moment. You know, one one day he'll come on and, and have a bit of a shocker. And then the, the next, he, he sort of seems to be playing quite well and, and looks like the right back or right wing back that you really want to have. Um, he's a bit more confident when it comes to to getting sort of crosses in, um, you know, a lot of talk in Italy when he came over was about his ability with the crosses and, you know, having a really good cross on him, which he hasn't really shown. I was quite disappointed when he made his first, you know, few games. I know he scored that goal against Carabag, but, uh, you know, that was an attempted cross and <laughs> somehow found the back of the net. Um, and I still think Moses probably edges with that number one spot um, on the right wing back role, but, Zappacosta, if he can show a bit of form consistency, if he gets the game time, then I don't see why he can't overtake him in that role. You never know. We might we might see him become Zappacrosser mm, in good maybe. time. Maybe. Good that. It's all right. I'll have to there remember that for a no, future thank headline. You. <laughs> there we go. There we go. Thank you. You know, I was expecting tumbleweed for that, so I'm, I'm pleasantly <laughs> encouraged. Um, 
Somebody else who caught my eye and actually has done for the last few games, I and mean, I think I said it actually, either one, 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 the one I do for you, Ollie, or, or, or the one I do for Yahoo, but um, in a sense, I think the, the back three of, of uh, Aspie, uh, Christensen and Rudiger is pretty much what most Chelsea supporters would, would consider their first choice in, in terms of the, of the defence. Um, no uh, aspersions on Gary Cahill, who I, who I think is superb, but you know, there's no doubt he's coming towards the end of his career. Uh, and Rudiger is, is, is a young lad, and I think he's, he's looked better and better and better each game. And I, what I like about it is, the, is that he's, he's done it very quietly, Liam. You know, you, you kind of don't notice him. And actually, in, in, in a sense, that's kind of what you want with a defender, isn't it? Um, and he came gloriously close to scoring an absolutely belting goal as well, didn't he? Yeah, he he's had a few of those moments this season where he's let fly from about twenty five yards, and it's uh, it, it's gone much better than a lot of people were expecting when he pulled his foot back. He hasn't he hasn't got one in yet, but they've they've been fairly close. Um, he's been he's been very impressive. I think I've been impressed with him pretty much from the start. I mean, he had obviously the nightmare back at Roma in 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 Olympico, and he was he was pretty unlucky against Arsenal with the two deflections. It wasn't a huge amount he could do about either of those but other than that he's been very very solid particularly because Conte has has regularly been shifting him from the right of that back three to the left you know he's not he's not really had a consistent look um in a given position but he's he's been very good he's he's a very solid one-on-one defender and crucially um he's got way more pace than any other Chelsea centre-back and I think uh I think that makes him a particularly good fit on the left of that back three where Alonso is not the quickest and also not the best one-on-one defender. So when he gets beaten, um, I think Rudiger's a really good choice to to sweep up behind him. Uh, that's clearly not good news for, for Gary Cahill, but um, we'll see in the final few months of the season where Conte lands on that on that discussion. But he's he's clearly made it. He and, he and Christensen have been the the two stories of, of the season for Chelsea because they've gone from having the most settled defence in the Premier League last year where it was always the same three to suddenly having five um, very capable guys for three spots and they all seem to be able to play in in pretty much any combination and there aren't many teams in the league that can say that. Mm. Well, I'd agree with that. I I, I also think actually Rudiger um, proves something else which we all tend to forget I mean I think in a sense this is the trouble with you know the 24-7 news cycle and stuff but you know patience and allowing players to actually get used to the pace of the Premier League get used to playing at Chelsea all this kind of thing goes right out the window and you know one bad performance in your ship we should never have bought you but you know I think that Rudiger could well prove to be an excellent signing and really really good value and and could go on to have a very long and distinguished Chelsea career and it just shows you, I think, that we need to perhaps be patient with some of these players. Not saying batch you eye, Jonathan, but, you know, maybe we need to. Uh, well, <laughs> I'm not going to be negative. Um, but no, I'm, not, I'm winding you up about batch you eye. But yeah, I mean, Rudiger. I know, I, mean, I agree. No, I agree. No, no, I, I agree. I think he's a fine player um, with great potential. Um, but. Uh, I just get worried about the rotation, the whole process of rotation. If it's possible to keep the same, the same three, they all get very used to each other. And I think he's done very well, Rudiger, because he's been moved around quite a lot, um, which uh, I, I think uh, I think was just said, wasn't it? But I, I, I'm I'm no, I'm I'm very impressed. I think um, I think he's the future, definitely. 
um, Imman Christensen, but um, uh, I'm, I'm just intrigued to, to see what on earth is going to happen to Louise as to whether he actually mm. has. Is he uh, is he later on in the script and I'm jumping the gun here, Louise, or can we no, give, he, he, give him he a mention? No, he got omitted from the script. He, he got omitted from the script like he has been from the team recently, Jonathan. So I think it's apposite to, to bring him to in. To bring him in. Is that, is that because he's got, got a supposed knee injury that I don't think he ever had? Well, he's fit. He's, he's fit now. No, he's he is, but he, he wasn't he's anywhere fit. to be he's, seen he's, in the anywhere. No, no. Like uh, having said that, neither was Aspilicueta, which was strange because I thought he get he was just well. I think he was being rested, giving him a rest. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely, exactly. But no, I mean, my, Louise is interesting because go on, mate. Sorry, yeah, I was going to say no, the, the, what I've been told with my uh, my thousands of um, uh, of sources everywhere, not um, is that he uh, um, the club don't want to sell him. In case uh, Conte goes, um, Conte would like to sell yeah. him, but in fact uh, they're hanging on to him um, in case Conte obviously says I'm out of here, and then the club will have sold somebody who the next manager doesn't have a yeah. problem with and won't um, won't be rowing with. Uh, I don't know whether other well, guys I, I, have heard I've about pretty that. Much- I've pretty much heard the same, Jonathan. Yeah. So yeah. Uh, Ollie or Liam, who would like to take up the cudgel with that one? Uh, well, I know there was there was a, some sort of dispute between Louise and Conte. It seemed, um, you know, I think that Conte himself was very much set on Christensen. Um, I, I don't think. Again, it's a bit like going back to the Diego Costa situation. I guess uh, from this time last year, is you know he does you know, he does need Louise if if Christensen does have a long term injury um, for for some reason if he, for a couple of months or something like that. Then he he would need a player like Louise to come in. And you know, Louise, I'm sure would 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 play that role as long as he is fit and his knee is okay. Um, whereas you know, last year he did sort of they, the club and he did need Costa to get them over the line in the Premier League last season as well. Um, I've got no doubt that if Conte, and that's a big if, if he is around in the summer, that Louise would, would most likely go. Um, but I think personally, I think uh, come January, by the end of January, he'll still be a Chelsea player. Mm, okay. Well, I think it's interesting, isn't it? I mean, Dean, Dean Mears. Dean Mears is in the house tonight, the wonderful CFC UK writer. Uh, he says Zuma will take Louise's place in the squad when he's sold in the summer. So Dean seems to think he's going whatever. Um, but of course, you know, that's a long way ahead. So we have no idea, really. I mean, talking of uh, an eye on the future, um, this is kind of, I, I think this has gone slightly under the radar, actually, uh, uh, Liam, because... You know, we always get coated off for not playing the youth. The, the the play the youth brigade are up in arms on Twitter constantly. The old gits say, ah, you know, if you're good enough, you'll get in. All of this kind of stuff. And in the middle of this sits the Chelsea coach or manager who has to pick them. And, and you know, Christensen is, is a very good example, although perhaps a little bit of a cheat. But ultimately, he's young and he's good and he's been trusted and played. Um, and and I, don't, I, I actually think that, uh, Conte's not too shy of playing the youth or maybe I'm just being a bit misty-eyed but you know it was nice to see Ampadu get another game or, or, or at least you know minutes Hudson or Doy made his long-awaited debut at the age of 17 so you know they are getting a bit of a chance or, or, or am, am I, as I said Liam am I being a bit naive no I think you're I think you're right I think um, I've thought for quite a while that Conte is, has kind of been paying in with some sections of Chelsea Twitter, he's been paying for the record of previous Chelsea managers with youth and the and the kind of frustration that's built up, um, particularly during the second Mourinho era, with how few opportunities these guys were getting. And that 
Um, I found the, you know, it was really nice to see Callum Hudson-Odoi get a few minutes. He looked pretty assured on the pitch and it was, you know, he switched the play nicely a couple of times. He, he didn't get an opportunity to do too much, but he, he got he got onto the pitch and it was a big moment for him. And But I think the bigger story, you know, this year has been Ethan Ampadu, who Conte clearly trusts. He, he clearly trusts him a lot more than several vastly more experienced players. And, and he's he's not only played him, he's played him in three different positions um, against Premier League opposition this season, albeit mainly in the Cups. So I think he's got a pretty decent record. The fact that he's, you know, I think there's a reluctance to give him too much credit credit for Andreas Christensen's rise because he was so polished when he returned from Gladbach. But it's still a pretty ballsy decision for any manager at a club that expects to win every season and expects to win every game to, to, to jettison... Uh, a player who was so crucial to you winning the title last year in Louise, and I know there was a, a clash of personalities as well, um, and go with a 21-year-old ahead of him. You know, the, the Conte's credibility, I think, with his squad was on the line there because if, if Christensen hadn't hit the ground running, um, it, it could have it could have had far-reaching consequences for him. Um, but, he, he, yeah, he's he's done well, and I, I, I think he's been Conte's been unfairly criticised in, in places because many of the Chelsea youngsters at the moment who would be slightly more first team ready are out on loan. And, you know, so then you're talking about the likes of Ampadu, Hudson-Odoi getting, getting chances. And there just aren't that many 17 year olds playing anywhere for elite clubs in Europe with it, within any, any kind of regularity. I w- wouldn't surprise me if Ampadu is sort of leading the minutes in that, in that category this season. Mm. I think I, I, I absolutely agree with all of that. And, uh, you know, I think it's interesting, isn't it, actually? And a little bit, bit of perspective is perhaps needed because, you know, Tottenham, who, of course, are, are always lauded for bringing on, on the youth, Pochettino particularly. But, you know, the reality is Harry Kane got his chance because I can't remember who now, but whoever it was was hopelessly uh, out of form and somebody was injured. Soldado. So thrown in. Mm. Thank you, Soldado, who couldn't hit a cow's ass with a banjo, could he? <laughs> And and Kane came in, and and the rest is history. And 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 actually, you could say the same about Christensen. You know, he got his chance because Louise and Conte had fallen out, and then Louise got injured, and boom, you know, Christensen gets in and proved how good he was, and 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 is basically undroppable. So, you know, you do need a little bit of luck, and 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 things conspiring to you know that the stars aligning, as it were, I think, for the youngsters to get a chance, but. I think broadening it out a bit enough, and I think this this is something that we can revisit in part three, actually, about Conte and his future. Because, you know, in a sense, this is what we were told about Conte as a manager, is that he, you know, if if he feels that a youngster is good enough, he will play them and he will make them better. And, I mean, Pogba was his great success story at Juventus. So... You know, he's he's the kind of manager that will will look at what he sees. If you are good enough, he will play you. It doesn't matter how old you are. And I think Liam's point, uh, Jonathan, about Ampadu is, is a case in point there, actually, because for somebody so young, he, he's not shy of throwing him in, is he? Um, is he? Does he play? Um, I thought he was originally a midfielder. I, I'm get confused when he plays. Uh, well, I think he is. Back. I think he is. But he's he obviously a, 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 a tall bloke, isn't he? I can't really judge how big he is. Well, he, he he played centre back for Exeter City mm. um, before Chelsea bought him. Albeit, I mean, right. he hadn't really he hadn't really played much anywhere before Chelsea bought him in terms of 
um, first team football. But he he can clearly play in both places, and I think it benefits Chelsea. It, it benefits him for his for the early stages of his ben, uh, development to play in midfield because nowadays centre backs, particularly in in Conte's system, need to be so comfortable on the ball and bringing it out and picking the right pass that. Yeah, I, I think they should uh, be interchangeable. Yes, when he, yeah, when he plays for the youth, when he plays for the youth team, he, he he generally plays at the centre back as well with Trevor Chalaba. It's generally generally why he plays with with the under 18s and the development squad as well. Right. He's obviously giving him a go. He's not giving him a go in um, uh, against the top six. He's he's choosing the games for him. Um, but uh, it's but it's it's difficult, isn't it? Bringing players, young players, in and giving them a go because they can get easily intimidated or ruined. He seems to have bags of confidence. Um, my uh, my mate Ron, who I sit next to, is a Millwall fan, who is um, uh, explaining the <laughs> I know the weirdness of people watching Chelsea with you. But his his wife Lynn, his, his wife Lynn, who knows John Terry. Um, is fact no? It's Ron knows John Terry, and I get little snippets of information about things, but I'm not supposed to to say because she says, "Oh, Ron was speaking to John the other day, and he's always got a very interesting story about what's going on behind the scenes." But I can't tell you. But if I do tell you, you mustn't tell Ron. So then when Ron appears, and I then blurt out that I know something, he says, "Oh, do you know that?" And I go, "Oh, um, yeah, well, I don't really know it," and I blame Spy. Poor old Neil Barnett always gets. I say, "Oh, Spy!" I was chatting oh. to Spy, and I don't, in fact, know know Neil that well. I know him just to say hello, but uh, I would never be chatting to him. But I always blame him. Oh no, Spy told me that something's been going on behind the scenes, so um, he seems to be happy with that. But um, um, he always say he was saying about Ampadu. He said, uh, he said, "Nah, he's a kid. He's played some youth football, has Ron." He's a kid. He said, he's a kid. He's still playing like a kid. He said, those tackles he's, he's doing, he said, they're just to prove, prove something to himself. They're not proper tackles. He said, he's kicking them, but he's not, he's not, he's not, he's, he's passing the ball square a lot. If you watch him, he does pass the ball square a lot. And to be fair to Ron, he does pass the ball square a lot. But he's, yeah, but you they know, all do. He's, they all do. But also, he's a, he is a kid. He's a 17-year-old playing, playing ab- above himself and looking, looking. I mean, I, I took a picture of him and, um, and, and Callum uh, Adoy and post it on Instagram and I put is this the future of Chelsea because you know that that he scores some wonderful goals um, um, Hudson Adoy for the youth um, we watch it on Chelsea TV and he's somebody you think yeah if he can actually maintain this level of, of excellence then we've got a great player and I'd love to see an outfield player now created we've got we've got a goalkeeper come through in Courtois got a centre half. I'd love to see somebody from the youth come through who is like Masonda. Masonda hasn't quite got it yet. I'm not. I don't quite understand why he's gone to Celtic, Masonda. I don't. We'll get onto that. Yeah, as well. But in the same way, I'm. I'm. Um, yeah, he he does. He clearly gives. He 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 he, he nurtures people, but in um, Conti, but in the right way because bringing yeah. them on, bringing them on with three nil was put the perfect opportunity. But he won't bring them on. If it's a close call, then he needs to bring somebody else on. So there are lots of players, and you see people on Twitter saying, "Well, he had him on the bench. He didn't give him a go. Well, he, we didn't give him a go because it was one nil. You know, he's not going to give him a go to suddenly bring him on in a an environment where we might lose the game. He's going to be used the older, the older, wiser heads for that. But give him, but give him an opportunity. If you're winning the game easily, he'll Conte will do that. He'll bring people on. And after all, he is supposed to be somebody who's very good. At nurturing players, that is one of the reason mm. that one of the reasons that the club got him. He's good. One of the reasons yeah. that we won 
the league last year because he made Moses into a wing-back. He made players play in positions they're not used to. He coached them. He's very good at that. And I, and I don't quite mm. feel that he's whether he's having that opportunity this year because of the number of games or whether it's working for him on that level for, for Conte. I, I'm, you know, I'm, mm. I'm, I'm, yeah, carry on, Chid, sorry. Yeah. Well, I was just going to say, I mean, just just kind of putting a line under it and, and, and Ampadu. I, I kind of get the feeling with Ampadu is that, um, I mean, you know, he's not the kind of player that you're going to bring on and change a game. And, you know, I, I don't think he would bring on, on Hudson-Odoi to change a game. I, I agree with you there, Jonathan. But I get the feeling with Ampadu, and this is kind of bears out what Liam was saying in a sense, that, you know, he, he, he would ha- have no qualms. Say, you know, one of our players got injured, he would have no qualms be, about bringing Ampadu on, even if it was the fifth minute. I think he trusts the kid. And, I mean, for, for, for a 17-year-old to have the faith of a manager like Conte in you, I mean, he he's going to have to work really hard to screw it up, I think. I think we've got a player there. Um, just a final thing. Um, it was interesting to see, uh, by, by way of absolutely nothing, but we had five British uh, players on the pitch uh, playing for Chelsea on Saturday for the first time since 2013, I'm led to believe. And, of course, they were Cahill, Drinkwater, Ampadu, Barkley and Hudson-Odoi. So there's something to ponder. Um and that's all we're going to do. We're not going to talk about it at all, apart from that. Uh, in part three, however, uh, we're going to wallow. We're going to have a wallow like hippopotami in the misery of the Carabao Cup semi-final defeat to Arsenal uh, on Wednesday. I was thoroughly depressed about this uh, for the rest of the week, I have to be honest. Uh, and then, uh, more important, we're going to pick Ollie and Liam's brains about what's going to happen to the transfer window as it approaches the deadline on Wednesday. We'll see you in a sec. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home ground advantage with McDelivery. You in? Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Chidge. JK. In all the years you've been following Chelsea, you hardly ever miss a match, home or away. But how would you feel... If you couldn't be there, and it's not on TV. Oh, Chich, I'd be bereft. Inconsolable. The thought of missing my beloved Blue Boy's life. <laughs> it's all too much. <laughs> I know, JK, I know. It's all a bit too much, isn't it? Yes. <laughs> well, panic not. NordVPN have come to the rescue. They have? Yep, NordVPN allows us to watch any match, even if it's not on live TV here. They do? Yeah, they do. With just one click, they switch your virtual location to a country which is showing the match, and they act as your cyber bodyguard whilst online, protecting your personal data and sensitive info like card details and passwords. Oh, wow, great. Uh, But yeah, I bet that'll cost me a fortune. Actually, JK, it's only the price of a cup of coffee per month, and you can use your account across six devices. It's a bargain, JK. And best of all... No more tears for you. Oh, thank you. Thank you, NordVPN. I'm so happy. I could cry. (laughs) Where do I sign up, Jidge? Well, to get the best discount off your NordVPN plan, go to nordvpn.com forward slash Chelsea Fancast. There's no risk with Nord's 30-day money-back guarantee, and you'll help support the Chelsea Fancast. The link is in the podcast episode description box. Fans, real opinions.
I'm Jason Cundy, and you're listening to the Chelsea Football Fancast. Proper Chelsea. Footballfancast.com. Right, welcome back. I'm Stanford Chidge, and you, of course, are listening to the Chelsea Fancast. And uh, I'm Stanford Chidge. I've already said that. I'm, I'll say it again. I'm Stanford Chidge. Who are you? you. Uh, I'm Stanford Chidge, Jonathan. Where you are, are you? Jonathan Kidd. Thank you. There we go. But um, thankfully, uh, other than the two usual idiots, me and Jonathan, we've got some real brains uh, with us tonight, which will be exploited to the full in a minute. And they are Ollie Harbord from Football.London. Hello, Ollie. Good evening. And uh, we've got the delightful Liam Toomey from ESPN. Good evening. There you go. They're both still alive. Jolly good, because it'd be a pretty crap show if they weren't. Uh, now, uh, in a minute, we are going to talk a little bit about, um, you know, the transfers, lack of what we expect. You know, we've got two people who might have a, a better idea than me and Jonathan, that's for sure. Uh, but before all that, I'm do I'm, I'm apologise for this in advance, but we do, I'm afraid, have to talk about what happened last Wednesday at uh, the Emirates, and I was very depressed and disappointed with it all. Um, but the reality is, I mean, you know, it's easy to say this now, now we're not so fed up, although maybe there are people who are still very fed up, I don't know. But the, the reality is, it was a, it was a pretty good start. Um, you know, Pedro scored a goal that was marginally offside, I thought. Uh, and then William, uh, uh, sorry, Hazard scored a goal, which was, again, beautifully executed. All going so wonderfully well, uh, in my view, and and I, I think I said this somewhere, probably Twitter. I, I thought, I thought William going off uh, kind of made the difference. I thought we had their measure uh, until that happened, and poor little Willie went off with a hammy, uh, and then it all went horribly downhill. Um, obviously, you know they were assisted by two ridiculously unlucky deflected goals, but there you go. But um, Jonathan, you first. Um, do you share my view that actually, whilst it was very, very disappointing, you know, lucky old Arsenal, really? Oh, completely. But um, we were all over them when William was playing. I mean, that is, yeah, that's what I thought. It's awful that um, it all fell apart after that. There didn't appear to be another plan, um, which I found depressing. I don't understand why. Uh, it, uh, well, it maybe it proved he didn't have much faith in Drinkwater if he didn't want to bring him on. And then he brought Barkley on and made a strange statement about. Um, um, he was the only one he could bring on, and uh, Barkley clearly which is, which is rubbish. Which is rubbish, of course, absolute rubbish. Yeah. And um, and that, of course, created a lot of speculation about whether or not he was going to be um, leaving. And he was on his bike because um, he seemed to be uh, just talking talking bollocks, essentially. Um, uh, I know it it, it 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 forced us to focus on him an enormous amount that performance. Um, and it was it was dreadful that it was based upon uh, um, William hurting his hamstring because um, William and Hazard and uh, um, William and Hazard can play completely wonderfully together, and I think they have done recently. I think in the Brighton game they were wonderful, and uh, that was just more of the same. Um, and there isn't a replacement, and it then makes you realise that that he really has to attack more. If, if William is playing with Hazard, they're 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 practically unstoppable, and you don't understand why they're not given more game time. Um, but there was that period where William wasn't playing terribly well and everybody was trying to find an excuse and it seemed to coincide with the uh, Louise problem and there was all that talk about whether there was uh, some Brazilian um, racism going on and that was the reason Louise had had, had the dispute with uh, Conte in the first place. But it's such a shame that, that uh, one particular injury then causes 
so many um, um, ructions that occur after that with with, with Conte and the club, and uh, and losing unfortunately gave it gave all the haters an opportunity to hate even more. Um, but he didn't, as as I've said, he didn't help himself by not having another plan. And um, in the second half, what did we get? I think we had two shots in the whole of the game. Yeah. In the second half, we just seemed to completely. For we were a bit like Newcastle in a sense. We just we we sort of gave up slightly, which is a very strange thing for to watch a modern Chelsea team do that. And and it's unfortunately that kind of performance that I think puts great pressure on Conte as actually hanging around with the club anymore. It puts great pressure on him as a, a whether he continues being manager. Because let, let's be honest, the second half performance was utterly dismal, and I don't and yeah. don't want to watch. Chelsea playing like that. The only time we've seen yeah, them, well, again against Arsenal. Oh, of all well, of all teams think, in particular, you know, absolutely, yeah. absolutely. I think that, particularly that's a, a that's poor what, Arsenal, yeah. though, Chich. They're mm, a poor yeah, team, at very the poor Arsenal. But, yeah. you know, they lose no, the I, I, absolutely right. I, th- I, I think you know, I can wear I can wear us being beaten by a, a team that's that's you know much 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 better than us. But what I can't wear is as playing as abjectly and as lily liveredly, if there is such a word, against a team like Arsenal. I think. I mean, maybe we're spoiled. I mean, I, I am old enough, or not that you have to be that old, really, but I do remember, you know, the, the, the years where we couldn't beat Arsenal for, for love nor money. And then it all changed around in 2004, and we've had it good since then. Well, but except now, recently, under them. Conte, though, you duplicated. Well, we've lost, we've won, we've won. One, one, one win in eight. One in eight, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. So he's got a, he's got a problem anyway. with that. But no, I think it, it was the wrong, the wrong time to put in that performance because it's created so much doubt about him as a manager. So... Well, I think I think the other thing, Jonathan, to be out tactic by oh Wenger, by Wenger, for is, God's is, sake, absolutely, yeah. absolutely. The man, the man who doesn't do tactics, because I mean, clearly, I mean, having said he doesn't do tactics, I think that you know Wenger did switch it tactically at half time, and that that did for is us. He put, he put a, the a horrible um, thing. What was his name? Yeah. The curly, the the, the El Nenny. Yeah, yeah, he stuck yeah. him. He stuck him further. Stuck him on Hazard. Stuck him further mm. back, didn't he? In the mm. and it, but the very fact that he had no no reaction to that, Conte was who's supposed to be a great tactician. I found. I found be- but maybe bewildered. he just maybe he just but maybe he just didn't have I mean I know he moaned about the options and I and I think putting Barkley on for that long when he was clearly not match fit was really unfair on Barkley actually who I think tried his best but I think you know essentially he didn't have options because this is the trouble when you play Hazard and you don't have William on there, all you have to do is stick two or three players on Hazard, and that's it. We fizzle out, and, and, and you've got William and Hazard and playing together. Monreal, kept, Monreal fouling, yeah. kept fouling him. That was the trouble yeah, yeah. as well. I know. Non-stop. I mean, it's quite him. tactically. It, yeah, it, it, it is quite easy per se to, to 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 completely stifle Hazard out of the game by hook or by crook, and I think that's the beauty of having William and Hazard playing mm. together because William, you know, whilst he's not quite as good as Hazard, he can provide you know do a similar you know provide a play in a similar role in a sense and create and beat play people and be tricky and, and i'm afraid that's kind of what i really meant when we when we were done for i want to move this on a bit jonathan because i, I mean it'd be remiss of us not to bring in these two boys because uh like you I, I felt that what conte said after the match was a bit weird so it'd be really intriguing to hear what what the i mean I, I, ollie were you in the the post-match press uh, i wasn't unfortunately no our arsenal our arsenal right. reporter was there but i was uh i did i have read the uh, transcript right. of what he did say okay liam were you there no, same situation. Our, <laughs> Bloody our hell! You're both you're both fired. <laughs> I, know, I brought you onto the show just so you could talk about this. And we know but nothing no, about I mean, transfers. Look, I know, as well, like, 
<laughs> Mate, Jonathan and I know nothing about football, so you know I wouldn't worry about that. I mean, look, the reality is, like, like, like me, you know what was being said. Mm. I mean, Ollie, do you, do you think it was a bit weird? Was there, a, you know, what was going on with that? Because it, it was a bit odd, as Jonathan alluded to. Yeah, it was a bit odd. I mean, he's obviously uh, several times, uh, several times, said about the fact that it is the board and the club that make the decisions on transfers that he um, gives them his opinion. And then as far as that goes, that's it. I mean, to say that it was the only option was to bring on Ross Barkley. It just, it wasn't true. I mean, you know, we talked about the game and that first half, really, he should have been looking to kill the game off. And Mitchie Batshuayi, you know, if he'd come on earlier, he could have, he was in pretty decent form after the Brighton game. He could have worked quite well with Pedro and Hazard and maybe something could have happened instead of bringing on a Ross Barkley who was very, very rusty and unfit. The other option as well that he had was I didn't quite understand why he had three defenders on the bench with Louise and Cahill. You know, I know Charlie Masonda maybe isn't the main man, but he could have been someone who could have come off the bench and at least caused Arsenal a little bit of trouble because he is that sort of dynamic player who could have been given a chance and done that. Um, yeah, I don't think it, it would have it were comments that would have gone down very well with the board whatsoever. Um, you know, it's something he said a lot. And, and as the transfer market's gone on and on, it started to look a, uh, a bit more sour and bitter from his point of view as well. Mm. Well, maybe, maybe Liam, he, he's actually, you know, like like every other uh, manager in the world and the universe, is that they will de- try and deflect blame from their own uh, mistakes and inadequacies. I mean, you know, he is perhaps human after all. Do you think maybe that was a bit of what was going on? I think there's probably an element of that. I think all the top managers have have that. Um, streak to them because the you know your reputation is everything in this game and if you allow yourself to be too tarnished by any particular failure um, then it then it can harm your future prospects so there was probably an element of that but it but a large amount of it is genuine frustration that has been building with Conte since since last summer when they didn't get Alexandro they didn't get Leonardo Benucci United hijacked the Lukaku deal. You know, a lot of his uh, priority targets, for one reason or another, haven't come through. And then you've you've got a few others like Fernando Llorente, who Chelsea really pursued pretty half-heartedly um, because because they knew he wanted Llorente in his squad, but they they didn't really want they didn't really want to sign him. Uh, they didn't really want to break their policy with over thirty players. So. There's always been a tension there, and I think Conte's got steadily more frustrated. He's he's made it pretty clear over the months that he didn't feel he had the squad resources to cope with cope with so many competitions, and I think that that was a big factor against Arsenal. I mean, I agree with almost everything you guys you guys said. I think it was a really bad look for Conte to be um, tactically outmaneuvered by Wenger of all coaches. Um, yeah, but it but it I think. The one player, I think his counter to the El Neni move would probably have been to bring Fabregas on. Um, but Fabregas wasn't available. He, he's he been, nope. throughout last season, he was Chelsea's game changer from the bench. And he was absolutely fantastic in that role. I think that's his best role now for the remainder, remainder of his career. I think that's the best use of him. Um, but he, he wasn't available for, for a key, key game. And, and Chelsea had a had a... A, a sort of 30, 40% fit Ross Barkley or a Bashway that Conte didn't trust. And I I don't know, but I suspect that Masonda was left out of the squad because of what we're seeing now, because they didn't want to take any risks with his fitness ahead of this Celtic line. Um, 
which is piss poor in my view. But well, well, we'll yeah, that I mean that, that's just my inference. I don't, I don't know that, but it. Yeah, no, I, no, I, fair I, enough. I suspect, and yeah, I mean, the, when you're left with a bench like that, I did, I did kind of understand um, what Conte was saying afterwards about not having too many options. I think it was spun by some people as a criticism of Barkley. I didn't read it that way at all because I think Conte has been broadly quite um, positive about the signing of Barkley. I think he. Mm. He rates his potential as a player, but it it was just an admission, or it was it was more a dig at the board than a dig at Barkley. Basically saying, all I've got is this guy who hasn't played in eight months, um, because all our players are injured because we played so many games, and you haven't given us the you haven't given me the depth I needed. I mean, what 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 I can't understand, uh, Ollie, is that you know why can't Conte? seem to get the measure of Wenger and Arsenal. I mean, you know, they've had the, the sign on us, really, apart from the 3-1 last season. You know, Conte's not, not managed to beat him, and I, and, and I can't understand why. I mean, mm. you know, I, I mean, <laughs> Wenger's honest, I not an idiot. Find, I know that. But. Yeah, I struggled to find out that myself as well. I mean, it is the one manager, really, isn't it, that's that's had this hold over him and everything. Um, you know, I, I can put the FA, you could probably put the FA Cup defeat down to the, the players as well a little bit who did not look anywhere near up to the task uh, um, you know sendings off in the in the community shield as well I mean those are just excuses for that I guess um, and you know you look at the 3-0 defeat last year was before he obviously brought in the three at the back and and Chelsea were really looking a bit all over the place defensively as well um, but since then yeah I, I, I really don't understand can't put my finger on it um, you know I think that you're right. When you do have a player who can nullify Hazard at times, that is where Chelsea's failings have been completely come down. Not just against Arsenal, but against a lot of teams. You know, I remember over at Manchester United last season when Ander Herrera, I think it was, completely kept Hazard out of the game, and Chelsea couldn't do anything about it. And at the time, at times, you know, Hazard is just so key that if you can nullify him in a game, that Chelsea, especially as Liam said, without Cesc Fabregas to come off the bench and create something happening. You know, there is very little um, creativity in that team at times. And I think that's that's where the real issue lies. Mm. Oh, well, uh, sadly, we, we didn't we don't get to go to Wembley, which is a great chance, uh, chance of a trophy, obviously, and a good day out. Uh, and uh, let's hope that uh, Arsenal get absolutely um, annihilated <laughs> by uh, City, which they quite might well do. Because this is the thing, they're, they're London rivals. And I, I got a, a monstrous distaste of Arsenal supporters, so... It hurt that one, I'm afraid. Anyway, uh, let's move on to even more annoying things. Uh, deadline day, transfer window, meh, in my view. It has been, it has been, uh, I mean, even by Chelsea standards, it has been bizarro. Uh, you know, all these links with, with Carroll, Peter Crouch, Barnes, Kerry Dixon, uh, Robert Fleck, <laughs> you know, Alan Mays, they've all been rearing their ugly heads. Uh, I, what, it's just, it's just, I've never known anything quite like it. But the reality is, chaps, um, is that the, the Jekko um, uh, bid uh, was quite serious, but it seems to have gone the way of the pair from what I'm reading. Liam, do you want to pick up that one? Yeah, I mean, it seems, it, it seems that Jekko is off. Um, I was never. It's not going to happen. No, I don't think so. I don't think so at this stage. I think I was always a little bit skeptical that it would that it would happen purely because he's 31. We we all know Chelsea's policy on offering contracts um contract length to guys over 30. They don't want to do more than a year. His existing contract at Roma 
had more than a year left to run. So there was no reason for him to sign um, a deal that would offer him less long-term security, especially with the stage of his career that he's at. And uh, and I also don't think that, that Chelsea were offering the money and wages that he would expect to try and to have to uproot him himself and his family who by all accounts are apparently quite settled in Rome. I mean, it's a very nice city um, mid season to, you know, back to London. So I was always a little bit skeptical about that. It looks like it's not happening. And now there is very fast gathering momentum behind um, this Giroud, this Giroud move. Uh, I I think Dimarzio and, and, Fabrizio Romano have done have gone very strong on it, saying that it's been agreed. Um, and I, I actually like Giroud. I think he'd be a good mid-season mid-season signing and a, and a clear upgrade on on Batshuayi. He's not he's not he's not a player who can uh, who's good enough to lead the line as a first choice striker for a top club, and he never has been. But that's not what he'll have to do at Chelsea. They've you know they smashed their their club record to to bring in a striker last summer, and, and Morata is still in the plan going to be the number one guy going forward. But I think, I think Giroud could be a very good guy to come in. He, he can do a passable impression of what Morata can do in terms of bringing other guys into play. I think he's an intelligent target man. He's excellent in the air, um, but a little bit more finesse to his game than, than Andy Carroll. <laughs> and, uh, Liam, I, I've got a bit more finesse to my game than Andy Carroll. So, yeah, I, th- I think he ticks a lot of boxes. The, the one thing that I'm interested to know is that, and, and I haven't um, had a chance to try and stand this up myself yet, um, is that depending on the contract length that if Giroud gets done, what you know, the terms that it gets done for, because he's he, like Dzeko, is 31. So I presume that the uh, the contract length issue would be similar with him. So it'd be very interesting to see what happens. But it would also, I, you know, a penny for the thoughts of Arsenal fans if he ends up making the move across London. They've already lost Sanchez to a Premier League rival and now losing Giroud to, to a London rival. The only thing I've got against Giroud is that he looks like an absolute prick, but maybe I, I shouldn't let that cloud my judgment. Um, Ollie, is there is there a real? I mean, something you know, utterly Chelsea has occurred to me here. Is there is there a real danger here? That obviously it it really does look like we're not going to get Jeco. Mm. It looks like we are in for Giroud, but it's not a done deal. And I know that there have been whisperings of Batshuayi going to Dortmund. Is there is there a kind of a classic Chelsea? screw up on the cards here of not getting Dzeko, uh not getting Giroud at the last minute because he, he you know the whole fact that he's over 30 issue and wages da 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 and then Batshuayi going to Dortmund leaving us with an injured Morata and uh, apparently our option being Hazard as a false number nine I would really hope not and I don't think it will be the <laughs> no ca- I, I really I really <laughs> believe it won't uh, that won't come about obviously Batshuayi is quite an interesting sort of uh, love triangle, if you like, in this situation with Dortmund and <laughs> Arsenal, and Ars- and Dortmund trying to get Aubameyang in. Yeah. Um, you know, yeah. they're they're keen to, well, they're happy to let Aubameyang go. Um, obviously, he's caused some stir behind the scenes at Dortmund, so I think they're quite willing to let him go for the right price, right price, and the right price with them and Arsenal seems to be there. But they do want a replacement, and they are writing up Batshuayi. Obviously, uh, Christoph Tourer, the the Belgian journalist, obviously said that. Um, you know, there has been some terms agreed with Sevilla for Batshuayi as well. 
Um, but I, I think that if if this does sort of three-way rotation go, I think Batshuayi will be on his way to Dortmund. But I don't, I personally don't think that would happen until um, Giroud was sort of brought onto the onto the cards as well and, and brought in. I mean, his contract at Arsenal runs until 2019, so you know, if it's not like Arsenal are going to be offering him anything new, I can't imagine with Lacazette as well. Um, I'm sure some deal would happen where they'd take him on for the season and a half to run until his current contract goes as well. So I think it's a deal that will most likely get over the line by by Wednesday, 11 o'clock. All right. So, you know, in, in a sense, in spite of the madness of what I've said, I mean, having watched Chelsea for as long as I have, anything's possible. But I'm wondering if, a, if an alternative that might happen is that we get neither Dzeko or Giroud and Batshuayi stays and we don't get anybody. Um, no, I don't think that will happen. Um, I don't think, you know, Conte talks about three strikers. I don't think he'd be very happy with one. Um, and, you know, you might see him um, even unhappier as the as the uh, press conference goes on for the rest of the season if that did happen. I don't think they would be, hopefully, be stupid enough to let that happen. Why aren't we right, in? Okay, well, Mo- Why aren't we in for Obama Yang? Is, it, is he not the kind of player? Is he more of a winger? Um, I think I think there are a couple of elements to it. I think he's not he's not the I come back to this phrase point of reference type striker mm. that Conte wants. He's very much a guy that darts into channels and attacks the space in behind. Um, right. So he's a different kind of striker. And also, I think Chelsea are reluctant to pay a sort of Galactico price for another striker when they've when they've invested fifty eight million pounds in Alvaro Morata last summer and 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 he. He is key to their long-term plans, whether that's under Conte or someone else. I think they, I, I think they've got too much invested in in making Morata the next great Chelsea striker to yes. bring in to bring in someone who could threaten his place long term. And I think that the other element of it is that I, I believe Aubameyang is is twenty eight, twenty nine now. His mm. his game depends largely on pace, um, and I would be a little bit worried if I was any top club, including Arsenal, about being on the hook for maybe a four or five year contract on massive terms with him um, because he might not be the same player once he, once he enters his thirties. And he's also had a few disciplinary problems at Dortmund, which I think have maybe harmed his stock in the eyes of a lot of top clubs. Yeah. You've got to look at Giroud as well and the way he has been at Arsenal. And and the fact is he's very much been the second striker a lot of the times. Um, The other thing for Giroud as well is that he, you know, it's a world cup year. The guy's 31. He, with Didier Deschamps, he is, you know, Deschamps likes to use him and likes to play him up front. Um, if he's then playing behind Lacazette and then Aubameyang as well coming in, you know, his World Cup chances are getting slimmer and slimmer. So for him, a move to somewhere like Chelsea where he is settled in London is perfect for him. So I don't think it will take too much convincing to get that over the line as long as, long as Arsenal are willing to sell as well. And the other thing, of course, is that unlike... Uh, Dzeko, he'll actually be able to play uh, in the Champions League. And, I, and I, I can't understand why we were going in for a striker who we wouldn't be able to play in the Champions League, Liam. I mean, what's all that about? Yeah, I mean, uh, I think the only um, the only inference you could take from it if they did that deal was that it would have been a statement of faith in Conte because Dzeko would have been a player that Conte would have particularly um, earmarked as a, as, as a preferred target. But if you're if you're putting yourself um, in position where you have to pay him for the next two or three years, then I think that's only really worthwhile if Conte is going to be your manager for the next two or three years. What what would you be buying him for this season? The FA Cup? 
you know, the, the league is gone, the Champions League. He, he, I think he'd be able to soak up Premier League minutes and maybe, maybe ensure that Morata is uh, in good physical condition for the for the Champions League. But he wouldn't be able to directly benefit you in that competition. So yeah, I, I agree. It was that element of it was a little bit mysterious. All very, very strange, if you ask me. Uh, now, uh, we can confirm pretty much that we think Emerson Palmieri's a done deal, right? Yeah, yeah, I think that's that's pretty much a done deal. I mean, you only have to look as well that the fact that they've let Baba Roman go out on loan tonight. Um, you know, that's been agreed. And who? Baba Roman has... Uh, who, is, who, who is this Baba <laughs> Roman exactly, that you speak yes. of? Yeah, see, uh, the mythical Baba Roman. Uh, he has been also <laughs> let out... Um, on loan to Schalke, which was no real surprise, but that's obviously with Kennedy going as well. Another sure sign that the Palmeiro deal is is over the line and and basically just the final touches to go. Um, you know, if they want him to be ready for Bournemouth, then he has to sign by midday tomorrow. Otherwise, um, you know, it'll be it'll be next Monday night where he might be able to make his debut or be on the bench. So, I mean, the ultimate thing is, and, and, and well, I'll bring you in here, Jonathan, as, as we, us mere mortals who, who know diddly squat about these kind of things. If we get uh, um, a backup for Alonso, and if we get uh, a replacement, uh, well, a backup for Morata and a replacement for Batshuayi, um, in spite of what I said about the fact that I, and I stick to this, that I think we need three strikers, not two, um, in a sense, we've plugged some of the holes that we needed to plug, really, haven't we? Um, I'm still not convinced that the midfield is uh, is good enough. Whether we're supposed to wait till next year for back- well, we got we got Barkley and um, don't forget. That's true. That's true. I just wonder whether when his um, uh, when he's going to be match fit. When does that actually happen? Does he keep playing him, or uh, well, does it just mean two, that- two or three games? I reckon. Will he give him a go? Will he have two or three games um, to get into the first good team? I, I I think he'll. Yeah, I get worried about Drinkwater. I felt Drinkwater was playing to a certain pattern um, against uh, um, Newcastle um, on Saturday, where um, he wasn't allowed to express himself. He was just—he seemed to just have to play the ball to the left or to the right, and he had a couple of very ropey shots. Um, and I—I don't—he doesn't look very happy to me. Whether he's being restricted by what he's how he's supposed to be playing, because um, he was very very creative. Uh, under um, Ranieri, uh, uh, and was was you know box to box and very just very competent player. We're not seeing any of that with him, um, uh, as we've already established. Uh, Zappa Costa is very hot and cold. Um, Moses is uh, just not putting in a performance. Um, uh, I, 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 once again, it's going. It's that dilemma of 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 all the players being excellent. You know, is it that you allow Conti to make them into a great team? Um, because they're, they're at the moment there, there are too many ifs and buts for me. Um, but um, yes, I think Alonso needs to have a backup because he is knackered. Um, I just, I'd be bemused to see him actually, uh, if this guy, Palmi, uh, Palmieri, um, Eduardo is actually excellent, whether he replaces him, whether that's, Conte's view of the situation. I hope not, because I'm very fond of Alonso. Well, I um, think, but if he's a better player, well, you know, so be it. You know, sorry, well, I'm I, stay there. Yeah, sorry, yeah, just that. I, I think uh, the immediate plan, at least, is for Emerson to uh, to come in and be second choice and 
and soak up a few minutes here or there. I mean, he's he's only young, so long term maybe. Oh, is he? Is he right? He, right. He's he's twenty twenty three, I think. So he's um he's definitely what Conte would call a young player. He still calls Morata a young player, and he's twenty five. Uh, but he, he he'll yeah he'll he'll soak up a few minutes, take a little bit of the burden off Alonso. But I still think it'll be at least in the short to medium term Alonso starting all the big games. Yeah, and also Emerson has just come back oh. from an ACL injury as well, so he's only played yeah. himself about. 100, 100, just over 100 minutes or so this season. So, right. yeah, so I, I can't imagine he's going to be thrown straight into the team. Um, obviously, it adds to the... Does, does that make him a... Go on, sorry, so, go on. So, and I was just saying, it obviously adds to the, the players that Chelsea have bought in the last couple of transfer windows that have not been fully match fit and needed time to recover from injury. Um, obviously, Drinkwater, Barkley yeah. and Bakayoko, and now uh, Emerson as well, who's, who's just coming back into some sort of fitness. Yeah, I just wonder if that's a risk if he's had an ACL. But, I mean, I know it's a different thing these days. Look, just very quickly, last kind of bit of transfer, you know, in terms of personnel. What what, what do you think, uh, Oli, about Musonda going to Celtic on loan? I've I, I got to be honest, I, I I don't understand it. I really don't. I mean, it's a piss-poor league. And uh, Brendan Rodgers, I mean, I, I, it might be you, you who reported this earlier, but, I mean, he hasn't got a very good track record of actually, uh, you know, using our players when we've loaned them to clubs that he's been the manager of. So, mm. I, I just don't understand why they put him up there. No, um, and I guess the only thing is he will be winning a few trophies, I guess, over the next uh, short time he's there. Um, yeah, I mean, I think Chelsea's first choice was him for him to get Premier League football um, somewhere, but I don't know, people didn't want to take him. Um, but you know, if there's there's no other option for him, they did want him to go out on loan. And if Celtic were the only ones coming, coming calling for him, then then that's the move he had sort of had to make. Um, you know, it, for me, it's a real shame. I would love to have seen him in the Premier League somewhere and playing at that top level. Mm. He needs to he needs to yeah. build bulk up a little bit. Um, you know, he still looks very, very boyish. Maybe um, that's why they. Maybe that's why they've sent him up to Scotland, mate, so that he'll, eat lo- him he'll drink lots of iron brew and have uh, deep-fried Mars bars. Maybe and that, a bit yeah, of he'll on. come back absolutely uh, huge, like Mkhitaryan did in that photo during the summer. Um, so, yeah, I think, you know, it's not, it's not ideal. It's not ideal, but, um, you know, he will hopefully have a few trophies in the bag when he comes back and, and uh, come back hopefully a better player. Yeah, well, let's hope so. I, I'm astonished because, I mean, you know, by all accounts, he did very well when he was on loan in Spain in a, mm. in a, in a better league than the, than the Mickey Mouse Scottish League. But there you go. I mean, we should kind of, you know, wrap this up generally because there are a lot of issues coming out of this, you know, just at the top of my head. I'm lying. This is all in the script, people. But this was my thoughts that came out at the top of my head earlier. But, you know, has the, has the window been bungled again, I suppose, until it's actually shut? We can't answer that. Are we missing Emanalo? You know, is Conte right to moan or is he as culpable as the board? Is this a sign of things to come from the club in terms of, you know, who we're not prepared to go in for, not prepared to pay for or, or not be able to get? Or, or is this really much more to do with the uncertainty surrounding Conte's uh, future? I mean, Liam, uh, you, you don't have to answer all four of those, <laughs> but you can take your pick. Well, there's a bit to untangle. I think I'd quickly say on, on Emanalo, um I do think he's being missed, but not not on transfers. Um, his his role on transfers was always relatively limited. He did have a say, particularly in in talent identification. But um, Granovskaya has always been the one doing the deals. So I think where he's been missed, as it ha- has been, as the um, sort of intermediary between Conte and the Chelsea board, which is what he always was. He had an office just across the hall from from Conte, and he was kind of the sounding board for 
for for both parties and i'm sure he'd he'd take he'd absorb the the blows when when things got tense um but i think he was quite good at at managing those relationships and now that he's gone um well i i don't think it's helped the situation put it that way um i think in i'm not necessarily sure it's a, a sign of things to come in terms of kind of scrambling around around for players i think that's more to do with the fact that they as as much as chelsea don't base their signings on who the manager is quite as much as other clubs do it still does matter um and i think they don't want to go all out and commit long term to players that conte wants if he's going to leave in 6 months so i think there is a certain amount of uh that is leading to a certain amount of paralysis with a, with a few deals um and maybe the and the reason why things like Jeco haven't haven't got done. Um, I think the more significant issue is, you know, that they weren't even in the race for Alexis Sanchez, and uh, and they, it, that was quite clearly because the sums involved were just out of their out of their price bracket. They can't afford to pay a player as much as United are paying Sanchez. They could afford the transfer fee, that's fine, but I mean, we we haven't seen them pay very top of the market transfer fees either, and. Uh, I think it's a it's a really crucial time for Chelsea. I think this this summer will be really important. Obviously, the priority is to tie down Hazard and Courtois. But if they lose either or both of those, I think it's a really live question as to whether they would have the financial resources um, to to replace talents like that because they they cost more than they've ever cost before. And unlike ten years ago, Chelsea aren't the richest kids in the playground anymore. I think uh, that's very, very spot on, actually, Liam, and it, it is a concern, and I agree with you. I think it's going to be uh, a very, very, very important summer coming up, whether Conte stays or not. And I think given the economic reality that, you know, we cannot compete with countries, uh, you know, that run uh, definitely Man City and PSG, um, we can't compete with United, who turnover more than anybody else. I mean, they're the biggest, commercially the biggest club in the world. And I think that Real Madrid and Barcelona queer the pitch to a huge degree with a, with a lot of their financing too. So we're not in that ballpark. Um, and the times have changed. Uh, they really, really have. But uh, I think that, that that behoves the club to actually really identify a strategy and stick to it. Because I get the feeling at the moment that they're stuck, they're somewhat stuck between a rock and the hard place, and it's like all things like that. If you if you try and keep everybody happy, you end up keeping nobody happy. So kind of kind of giving the managers what they want, but not giving them what they want isn't isn't going to work. Kind of trying to have a youth policy, but not having a youth policy doesn't work. And I think they really do need to nail this down and have some clear strategy and direction and stick with it. You know, and and I've said this time and time again. Ollie knows this well. I wrote a blog for him about that. Um, you know, this kind of idea that um, you know they 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 kind of get a decent manager in. They don't give him the the funds to. They don't really give him the players that he wants, but they expect him to win everything whilst bringing the youth through. Uh, it, it doesn't really. It hasn't really worked. You know, they need to either have a policy where they develop the fantastic talent that they've got uh, in the academy. And perhaps accept that they're not going to compete for the Champions League and the league every year, or they have to go the other way. And it appears that financially they can't go the the other way anymore, Ollie. Yeah, I think it's it's difficult, isn't it? Because it's fans' reactions as well, and what do fans really want to see? I mean, you can produce the youngsters and have them through, but if you're not winning things at the same times, then 
then fans will become agitated, especially as Chelsea have created a culture of winning things every other year. Um, I mean, as we're speaking right now, they've just announced that Charlie Masonda has joined Celtic on loan, um, which is quite interesting, just as we're speaking. But um, yeah, it's, it, is, it depends what you do want to do. I mean, the, the Chelsea Academy really has become something of a factor, isn't it, with all the players out on loan, um, you know, 30-plus players on loan that we'll never probably see in Chelsea show once again. But it's, it is what culture you do want as a fan, as a club. And, um, you know, they do have to be careful if they're not dropping out. You don't want to just be a top four club and not winning anything, but then not really producing much at the other side of it as well. Well, that's that's the arsenification of mm. Chelsea, which is something that is a hobby horse of Tony Glover's and a little bit of mine too. And I think that is what happening. I mean, Jonathan, just to tie this up, it'd be interesting to hear what your perspective on this, because I, this is going to sound really odd for me to say this, but I'm going to say it anyway. And I don't care what people fire back at me, but you know, if, if, if God forbid I'm touching wood that I pop my clogs tomorrow, I will die a happy man. I have seen Chelsea win more trophies than I ever dreamed possible in my lifetime. You know, if we never won another trophy again, I would still die a happy man. I've had more moments of joy and pleasure watching us win what we've won for the last 10, 15 years than I ever dreamed possible. So, you know, in other words, much as I love it, and I do love it, trust me, people, I love it, um, I could probably cope. Um, But is that just a bit kind of, you know, old man-ish, misty-eyed, bit selfish because I've been lucky enough to see it and you know, can cope, or what? I don't know. No, I just Jonathan. think it's a bit odd, you know. Chich. Doesn't your appetite um, uh, improve to, according to what it feeds upon? I mean, don't you want want them to win everything as much as possible? Despite we're we're, we're analysing and think, thinking, well, it's it's immensely unlikely because they're not they're not competing on the same level as all these other clubs like City and United and Real Madrid. But nonetheless, if we can get as many trophies as we possibly can. That's what we're after, isn't it? I mean, the only counter it's not I would the have... argument. Sorry, sorry, say, say, yeah. No, no, no. It is in a, to a degree, but I mean, the only counter I would have to that is that you know we don't have a divine right. No club has a divine right to win everything. There are only a certain amount of trophies up for grabs each season, and if if the realities are that you're unable to compete for that, those are the realities. Um, well, if... you know, I in a in a sense in a sense, Jonathan, I I don't define my support of Chelsea by winning trophies. I define my support by the enjoyment I get about following the team, which is wrapped up in a lot of other things like knowing people, delightful people like you and doing this silly old show and getting drunk in the pub. I mean, I love winning trophies. Don't get me wrong. I I, I would love to see us win everything every year, like as much as you would or anybody else. But you know, if if it never happens again, it mean it won't mean that I will be suicidal or stop following Chelsea or, or become a very bitter and twisted old man. Yeah, but wouldn't you like to know why it's not happening if it never happens again? Wouldn't well, I think you? I do know why it's not. Well, yeah, happening. but but is that what I'm? Yeah, but I'm saying is that is that we're, 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 we want to have these conversations to change it. We're trying to find solutions. We don't want this to happen, even well, though we want answers. Even though we, we want answers, we, exactly, Jonathan. Exactly. Of course, we do. But um, but no, but I, I after the Arsenal game, I have to say, which I found uh, we have, we talked about this a moment ago. I find immensely depressing. I actually thought, well, perhaps we ought to try and use as many of the youth of youth as possible to 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 stick them in the in the team and 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 have a kind of sort of um, you know go back to being twelfth or fourteenth in the league and bring them through. And then I realised that I was being completely idiotic and I'd hate coming to watch the team. <laughs> what complete madness was that? What was I talking about? Of course you can't do And you of all people, of all people who, who me, get to was, you of all people who get get three five star service and a three course meal and venison bloody uh, pies to eat. You should be happy with that. 
No, I could, we'd always be moaning so much and say, what's happened? We need to be in the top four. What's the matter? But as you say, there is always the, uh, the, the dreadful possibility of the Arsenal, Arsenalification of the, of the club. And we're then just happy with, with finishing in the top four and possibly winning the FA Cup. Um, but, 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 but here's the here's the problem. Yeah. Sorry, no, go I was going to say the the, the the aspect that that we have to take into consideration is that the, the club I think are are interested in increasing the um, um, the revenue because they're trying to get more and more overseas markets involved. And the and the the uh, although it's a slight step backwards, the the new ground is also li- intertwined with that. It's linked with that to have the most attractive looking. Um, uh, ground in the whole of England will be a, a, a major attraction to uh, to foreign uh, to tourists even coming to watch. I mean, it's the worst possible thing. They'll have more and more people wanting to buy tickets from abroad coming to come to the wonderful ground. But it will then allow us to compete more and more um, with with the countries that are investing. So we may then be able oh, to buy buy a marquee player. But at the moment, uh, as you say, it's looking very doubtful. And you're then just down to the manager. So the manager um, has to, to weave his magic. Um, and that's what Conte is supposed to do. So I understand the club's problem is they don't they want him to be Brian Clough. They want him to be able to get hold of base metal and turn it into gold. And that's what he did last year. So he's set a rod for his own back, Conte, to an extent. But I understand. I see what he means about having... Uh, a target man and uh, because he played that way with Italy. That's why he wanted Lorente. So I can see why they don't want, you know, um, um, what's his other other little player that they should have been buying. Um, there's a little winger who's playing very well. I can't remember his name, but he's been, they, we've been linked whether this is rubbish or not. But you can see that perhaps in his mind, a very tall um, man who holds the ball up, can put the ball in the net, will actually make it all work. I mean, that's one of the, the things I'm looking forward to. If we do buy somebody in this transfer window, like Giroud or whoever it's going to be, they might actually transform the fortunes of the club for the rest of the season because it might then all work. It doesn't work with Morata at the moment. He doesn't know how to play in England. If you, can, he, he, I think he will do eventually because I think he just needs to stand off the player a bit more. He doesn't, or, or even just... Just elbow them slightly. Play like Mark Hughes. Look at Mark Hughes as an example of somebody who dealt with it. But he seems to instantly, he doesn't spin, probably spins and falls over. Just try and stand up, Maratta, in future. So he's not, he's not, the, player, he's not the player for me, where at the moment he will be, I think, because he's a class, class act. But if, if we do get a tall bloke who holds the ball up and he's a bit of a bully, it might be interesting to see whether it transforms uh, the second half of the season. Well, anyway, good point that actually. But uh, just to draw a line under it, I, I think you know, talking about the Arsenalification, and a lot of people on Mixler have been, you know, alluding to a similar point. Um, I think the problem that Arsenal had was that they were very disingenuous about it. You know, they spent have spent all those years basically spinning a line about what they were trying to do, and I think a lot of Arsenal supporters have seen through that. It, 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 what I don't want is for us to do that. And I think there's a sense of that at the moment. There's no honesty or transparency in terms of what we're trying to achieve. You know, if, the, if Raymond turns around tomorrow and says, you know what, I'm, I'm, I'm not going to go and buy any more marquee players. I'm not spending over this amount of money for a player, period. That's how it's going to be. And this is what we're going to do. And you know what, we might not win shit for a while. I would take that. 
I would rather the honesty rather than just pretending that we're we're going to be doing something when clearly we're not, which is what Arsenal did. Right, we really need to move on because we've been on this topic for a long time, and so we should because we don't often get the uh, the delight of having both Ollie and Liam to, to to talk about this, and they know a lot more about it than I do certainly. Um, so I thank them both for that. I hope you lot out there have enjoyed it as much as I have. So, uh, in a minute, in part four, uh, Jonathan will be reading out some emails. Real fans, real opinions. I'm Jason Cundy, and you're listening to the Chelsea Football Fancast. Up the Chelsea! Footballfancast.com Welcome back. I'm Stanford Chidge, and uh, I just had a lie down after having to listen to some very intellectual debate about Chelsea and transfer policies and what the future of the club is, in fact, thanks to Ollie and Liam and uh, Jonathan uh, and myself not being the voice of reason on it at all. <laughs> but that's kind of what we're here for. Uh, what, what Jonathan is, well, I wouldn't say what he's fundamentally here for, but of course, this has become a very favourite part for many people is when he reads out some wonderful emails that you, the listener... Uh, thankfully, it's a different listener every week, but what you, the listener, write in and tell us about your experience with Chelsea. And uh, this week is no exception. And I, and I tell you now, Jonathan, that the email three from Harrison Lego is real, and it came in after the Arsenal match, and I think it is possibly my most favourite email that we've had ever. OK? But I'll let you... I'll, I'll wait till you get to that. So take it away, JK. Uh, so this is from Adam Bradley... Dear Chidge and all, that's us, we're all. Firstly, what an honour it would be to have another email read out by the man from that AA advert. It's in the sand. And legendarily, having been in the wonderful Pipkins. Yes, I was. I I have acted with Hartley Hair. Good. So, um, I took four of my daughters to the Norwich replay last week, hoping for a few goals and a bit of glory to bathe in. This will be one of those nights that will have a profound effect upon them as we're surely going to end our run of draws. Sadly, it was like the last few weeks of late appearances on Match of the Day, like supporting Sunderland. Thank goodness for an average penalty shootout and a pitch invader. These were the big highlights that the kids are still talking about. (laughs) It wasn't until half-time that I remembered VAR was in use whereupon I had my epiphany as to why there was little flow to the game interspersed with what seemed like very erratic refereeing. Surely they need to let the fans in the stadium know when a decision is under review. All the other sports seem to. Well, that opens a whole new can of worms about law modification and timing changes that I don't want to get into now. The main reason for my email is to remind us of the humour we still have through sun and rain. Despite the Peaky Blinders wannabes and overweight, foul-mouthed doomsayers, I heard the following gem. (laughs) I heard the following gem. Where's our bloody midfield? N'Golo Kante receives the ball. Oh, there he is. Which got me and a couple of friends recounting things we've heard at the bridge. Here's a couple. For beep sake, don't beep. Well, give it to that useless jigsaw. Robert Fleck, who promptly scored one of the whopping three goals he got for us in his 40 appearances. <laughs> who can forget Jigsaw Fleck, who went to pieces in the box? Oh, that one courtesy of my uncle, Mickey Dias. Or the time I was sitting in the East Stand a few years ago, I heard someone shout, 
We've only got 10 men, his mate said. No, we haven't. We've still got 11. To which he replied, yeah, but you can't count that useless lump, Torres. You almost have a treasure trove of terrace heckling from over the years. Thought I'd just share these with you. Up the Chelsea, Adam Bradley, Edgware. Lovely. Lovely stuff. I remember I remember once, Jonathan, talking about things like that. I, I, I'm sure not only my, my immediate neighbours heard this, but I suspect most people uh, in Stanford Bridge, let alone people yet to be discovered in the Amazon rainforest, uh, Matic infuriated me so much in one match. And I don't, I don't do this, you know, very often. I'm very good at supporting the players and getting behind them. But Matic infuriated me so much, I, I got up, and I can't remember what came before it, but it must have been something to either like tackle or pass the ball or move, possibly move. And I just got up and said, Fuck, fuck's sake, move, you long, lanky streak of piss. And, and almost exploded upon that. And I got a few kind of looks from everywhere for that one. But, you know, not very humorous, but just basically. No, I think it was, it was humorous to, would have been humorous to have observed it, Chich. And I can relate entire, I think it entirely to that with. Uh, with Kesman and no, sorry Kesman with Kalu, oh, with Kalu. Kesman was just a kind. Of, well, I love the fact that all the crowd got behind him in the way they got behind Torres. Mm. But Baldrick, as we used to call yes, him, yes, yes, he looked very similar. Whereas, um, uh, yeah, because then you had uh, Carvalho looking like uh, Percy, didn't Lord you? Percy. Yeah. So um, uh, no, Kalu was either offside all the time, or when he was given the ball, would just from boot it over the goal from. Um, impossibly short range. I don't know how you manage ever to do that. And I actually do. I became completely incoherent with swearing, even in those very posh seats and had to be, had to be forcibly dragged to back to my seat and told to shut up. Otherwise I would have been ejected. And, uh, and, uh, we used to, we used to, uh, we, we used to, every time um, Jesper Gronkjaer got the ball, uh, the boys uh, and, and me and Martin actually at the back of Gate 17 always used to go, run Forrest, run! Because <laughs> that's all he used yes, to do. Yes. You know, he could just run, run Forrest, run! You know, bless him. Until he scored that amazing goal. He fell over, that's um, the only, okay. only reason why that went in. Well, that's right. Yeah. Well, it's like that goal. Well, I was I was right behind that goal he scored against Monaco in the in the Champions League. Uh, we were, Martin and I were in the front of the shed upper that night, and we saw it all the way in. And it was so obviously a cross, yes. but it was uh, it was a, it was a moment of beauty. Um, Ollie and Liam. I mean, you you of course both sit in the press box. I'd be very curious to hear what kind of humorous things you two hear. Ollie first. Um, probably the most humorous recently was actually at Arsene Wenger in the first leg of the Carabao Cup when he had to sit in the press box as well. That's where he took up his place because um, he had his touch, yeah. touch match ban. And, you know, a few Chelsea fans did around us did uh, realise that he was actually sitting quite close to them, closer than, than usual, uh, to start singing um, Arsene Wenger, We Want You To Stay. Um, so that was quite nice after a few <laughs> round of applause. Um, obviously, after the second leg, that may not have been sung quite as much. Uh, but that was probably, in, re- in the most recent games, that's probably the most interesting we've had. Lovely. Liam? Um, well, most of, the, most of the funny things I hear, I tend to sit on the front row and I'm, I'm often um, just a couple of seats away from, from Garth Crooks, who likes to sit in the front row when he comes to the Chelsea games. <laughs> uh, and he's, he, he, kind of, he, he kind of speaks in a sort of stream of consciousness to himself um, and to the air. Well, while he he's... does that when he broadcasts, <laughs> mate. <do you> well, <laughs> he's, when, when he's watching the game and, it, and, it, and it's quite funny to listen to. Um, it he seems to get very does he does he commentate no not quite it's not quite that constant but he he does seem to he does get very personally offended when uh 
when he when, <laughs> when he sees when he sees a striker that's that doesn't meet his approval, I think Mishy Bachwai's had a hard time off him a couple of times. Oh dear. Um, but I, I, yeah, I, I whenever I'm how... sitting next to him, I try and I try and inf- try and subtly as I can influence his team of the weekend. Oh, <laughs> I men- I like by that. mentioning I like... that someone's did... playing very well. <laughs> okay, Liv, how do you manage to see round his head though? Well, he's sitting next to me, not in front of me. So, oh right, right, okay, fair point. Just to say, maybe, maybe just, just to, uh, on old uh, Chelsea strikers, they've just announced as well that Daniel Sturridge has joined West Brom. There's a uh, yeah, that yeah, one of the cards he's on loan yeah. now for the rest yeah. of the season. I bet he gets injured after one game, most likely, probably in training, probably in training. Probably in training, exactly that. Okay, good news, Ollie. Well done. Uh, okay, we got one from Greg Gardner, Jonathan. Hello to all that contribute to the fan cast. Slow day at work, so I figured I could use the time to finally write an email. Also, makes it look like I'm actually working. <laughs> Wanted to personally thank everyone involved for all the hard work, insight, jokes, and analysis. As many have mentioned before, the fan cast. Uh, before the fan cast is a gateway into the everyday culture of the club that many of us don't get from where we're watching. A bit of background about myself. I started following the club when Michael Ballack first joined. I'd always played the sport from a young age and absolutely loved it, but my family wasn't big into watching professional sports. Even most of my friends who I played the sport with all my life weren't too keen on following it and instead focused on the more popular sports here. It wasn't until 2006 that we finally had a string of games to watch for the World Cup. I remember the matches being on all the televisions and I was able to watch several games a day. I, of course, watched the US, but my grandmother had come over to the US from Germany, so I always tried to watch their matches as well. I think you can see where I'm headed with this. The player who caught my attention was none other than the German captain. When the World Cup was over, I had no more matches to watch, so I decided to try finding out who Michael Ballack played for. Turns out he'd recently joined a new club, and that's Chelsea had gained a new fan. Watching the matches was still tough as I was too young to know about streaming matches and they were very rarely on TV. I was able to look up articles on the internet to find out the scores, but it wasn't the same. It wasn't until I got to university in 2010, ironically, Balak had left the club that year, that I found out about online streaming and the sport in general had become much more available. The summer of 2012, I was finally able to watch a Chelsea match live. They'd come over on another U.S. preseason tour, and I couldn't miss out. I ended up watching them play PSG at Yankee Stadium in New York, with Piazon scoring to make it a one-all draw. The atmosphere was incredible, from meeting all the other fans in the pub beforehand, although nobody seemed to notice I wasn't old enough to drink yet, a few months shy of the drinking age at the time, to the chanting and singing en route to the stadium and throughout the entire match. To this day, I've never experienced anything like it, and it was only a pre-season match. Eventually, I would love to be able to make the trip over to Stamford Bridge and, of course, buy everyone on the fat cast an obligatory route or two. Of course. Hooray! <laughs> it's been a wonderful decade for the club and for us fans. I'm unfortunately what one would consider a plastic or glory-hunting fan. Oh, I don't think so. I have no affiliation to the club besides me choosing them as my club. I came after Roman's money, and I've only known success in my 10 years of watching. The worst I've seen from the club is a 10th place finish in the season I'm sure we'd all like to forget. I've criticised players and managers and the board just as much as the next guy, but some fans seem to take it a bit far. 
I've made comments in the mix of the chat room and on Twitter regarding this topic since. If you're to ask them, you'd think we were relegation candidates about to drop down to lower league obscurity. It's absurd. We're the current champions. We'll sing it till May. We're through to the next round in the UEFA Champions League. We're third in the league and still in the FA Cup. Hopefully, we'd beaten Arsenal by the time you're reading this. No! If we're a club in crisis, then, what the bloody hell do you call Arsenal? True, very true. Thank you for taking the time to read through my email. And again, thank you for all the effort put into the fan cast. It's an invaluable resource for us overseas fans to get a glimpse into what life is like being able to regularly attend matches and meet up in the pubs. Up the Chels, yeah. Greg Gardner. Up the Chels. Terrific, terrific yeah, the email, Jonathan. Lovely, yeah, lovely, lovely, lovely email. email. And he's not, he's nah, not, not a plastic. You can't be a plastic if you're so nah. it's supporting the te- team from uh, another country and having to go through all the process of, of finding out about and finding out when it's on, watching regularly. That's not a plastic. Yep. My goodness me, that's Nuke. committed, committed. Support. They have to get up very, very early in the morning yes, to watch games and absolutely. they don't get a three-course meal with it. Um, email three, Harrison Lego. We have no ideas, Harrison. That's it. Yeah, we don't have any ideas, so mate. Is it, but is it the That's club it. have no ideas? Or, or you, <laughs> I you and I have no ideas? Well I, well, I think he's right there. Ollie, uh, I actually, that's how I took it, first of all. I thought, <laughs> oh, yeah, he's right. Me and Jonathan have no ideas at all. No, I think, actually, bless Harrison, and I, I do hope he's listening, and he doesn't, hasn't, isn't, isn't somebody who kind of just happens to know the email and randomly emailed it in. Um, but uh, he did send that in after we got beaten by Arsenal, or even during the game, I think. And, and I, Oh, I, that I, makes his sense. His frustration, yeah. Yeah. his frustration and bewilderment yeah. just poured out of that yeah, very... Yeah precise email and i just absolutely i love it i I want to give that email a hug you know i I really feel the pain in that we've got no ideas it's shit basically that's kind of how i felt i'd like to blow it up into four thousand font and just put it on my house yeah 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 Yeah. harrison i know we we share your pain mate and and uh i think that's a bro i love that email i love it i love it a lot and i hope you're well right this is the last email and i'm embarrassed chidge I'm embarrassed. <laughs> but I should, I should, I should put this into a bit of, of context uh, because uh, Shane, as we now know, we should call. Him, I was calling him Shane. You said that's week. what he was called, Chaney Walk. That's what you I said. know. I got it all wrong. I got it all wrong, didn't I? But anyway, Shane uh, sent this on. Uh, he sent this into Patreon. He's clearly a Patreon subscriber. So I'm not even sure whether I'm supposed to read this out or not. So sorry, Shane, if I'm not. But. Uh, I just thought it was a wonderful sentiment and therefore I wanted to share it, if you don't mind, Shane, and, and I hope you're not offended by us reading this out. It's in very little font, this one, and I feel I should be... I almost feel it's a shamed font because I, I clearly made a, a terrible error because I, I whispered the uh, his email before and I slightly took the mickey, but I thought that was allowed occasionally. But yes, yeah, yeah, but know, his name is, yes, is Shane, which is a, um, which is a, a good name. Um, Shane Kidd. I'd like that. I'd like to be called that, actually. And, he, and as I say, it's spelt C-H-E-Y-N-E as if he's uh, Chaney Walk. That's why we were confused, because it's Chaney, Chaney um, in Chelsea. So anyway, hi all. I'm not going to whisper this one. Thanks for reading my email again. JK whispering it made it feel more silly and clandestine than the serious encouragement I was trying to give. But oh, well. And I just say that the words, but oh well, are, are so significant here that they, they sort of are kind of, 
<laughs> oh dear. Oh well. Sorry, sorry, Shane. I'm sorry. Also, I realised I'd only meant that I was borrowing Chidge's cock off words, not obviously the whole phrase, <laughs> since he never said that. But maybe, maybe that's how good rumours start. <laughs> But how he's nice at the end, he's, he's obviously realised that he, had the, he has the power to make me feel embarrassed. Loved the pod as usual. Just wanted to say again, you guys are awesome. Shane. Well, thank you very much, Shane. And I really do apologise if I was taking the mickey, if I was being a little bit too frivolous with the mail. But I, it, it, it sort of, it was, it felt the right thing to do at the time. And, you know, we, um, so, but yes, but keep them, keep them coming because they're all um, we, 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 we do really yes, do love indeed. them so we don't, don't want to put you off and if we, i if i read something stupidly do do coat me off the following week about it because I, I deserve it no I, I i wholeheartedly encourage that last statement coat jonathan off as much as possible yeah. um no i think i i also should apologize to shane as well jonathan because i think I, I i he may have misconstrued my uh, fake uh, umbrage about him attributing words to me and sayings to me but uh, it was only meant in jest Shane and uh, we think you are awesome too uh, and we think actually funny enough we think everybody who writes an email into us is awesome which, and we love reading them out I mean it, it causes us much mirth when we hear what you have to say and Jonathan loves reading them out and I love hearing Jonathan reading them out so it's all good everybody wins um, so if you do want uh, to send us an email and get it read out on the show all you have to do is send it to chelseafancast at gmail dot com and do so uh, preferably kind of late Sunday quite possibly very early Monday morning because that's when I, I usually do the script Sunday Monday so but preferably preferably Sunday then I make sure it gets in so there we go um <clears throat> kind of changed the running order a little bit tonight I've got, got a few of the usual pluggeroonies to do which I shall whiz through because we're already over budget in terms of time uh, just to remind all you good people uh, that the Supporters Trust, Chelsea Supporters Trust, is the thing to be involved with if you want to get your voice heard by the club. Uh, it's absolutely free to join up to be a member. It don't cost you nothing to be a member. But if you want one of the nice little shiny badges that we produce and you want to vote uh, in the elections and attend the uh, special general meetings, then it is £5. All right, but you can just join up for free right now online, and then that means you're a member. Simple as. Uh, and to do that, just go to chelseasupporterstrust.com, and as I said, if you do that, you can uh, get your voice heard. And of course, you can follow the trust on Twitter at Chelsea S Trust, and of course, they've got a Facebook page too if you prefer Facebook. Just check out Chelsea Supporters Trust. Um, uh, many of you will know, uh, and I and I know that many of you read the article I wrote for Ollie in Football London about the CPO uh, and why it's so bloody important last week. And uh, I went along to the AGM, which was uh, you know a lot of people there, a lot of uh, familiar faces that I know and love. Good to see them all. A uh, really good meeting. Nothing contentious really. Um, I know that all the motions that were, or the resolutions that they were that that, that were there to be voted on were were voted on and passed. Uh, very successfully I think they were nearly all passed well into the 80s uh, in terms of percentage so that's good but uh, one of the outshots of that is that they will now be uh, issuing B shares for £25 each so if you are an owner of a £100 share that'll be an A share that'll be now worth four votes and if you buy a share for £25 that's one vote so uh, really just to encourage youngsters to get involved or people who aren't you know absolutely rolling in it to be able to buy a share and 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 have a say well i mean more to the point have some sort of uh, power 
really, because it's, we're the only supporters in the land who, who can claim to have ownership of the pitch that the club plays on and the name of the club. So it's very important. Although the other thing that came out of the meeting, which I should add, is that um, the, the CPO have been working very, very closely with the club in terms of the redevelopment. And uh, there, there seems to be a very strong relationship there which is very different from what it was about six years ago when it all kicked off massively. Uh, but anyway, if you want to go and buy a share, uh, I'm not sure when the, the new £25 shares will be available, but the trick is to keep uh, you know check, check out the website. It's, it's all at uh, chelseafc.com forward slash fans forward slash Chelsea hyphen pitch hyphen owners uh, or just email them uh, info at Chelsea pitch owners or follow them on Twitter at pitch owners and ask them yourself. But uh, I'm sure they'll be available soon. Anyway, do support it. It's very worthwhile and we're very lucky and, and it's unique to us. Um, something that is also unique to us and very lovely is, of course, the legendary CFC UK, which has a, a posse of writers that is unrivaled for Chelsea. Sorry, Liam. Sorry, uh, uh, Ollie. Uh, but uh, the likes of Mark Worrell, Kelvin Barker, Tim Rolls, Clayton Beerton, Beerton, Beerman, <laughs> Dean Mears, who's been listening live tonight, uh, and even me. I write for it too, but uh, I let the sound side down. I was very grumpy and moany, as uh, Bonnie Rig Blues can attest to this week, but I kind of uh, I, I felt that I needed to vent it somewhere. Uh, but anyway, CFC UK is brilliant. It's always available on a match day, only a pound. Uh, you can get it uh, opposite uh, the Fulham Broadway tube from the CFC UK stall or from any of the matchday sellers that are dotted around uh, Fulham Road. And, of course, you can subscribe online at cfcuk.net. And if you're in the USA, panic not. Uh, follow CFCUK USA on Twitter or Dan Lundberg at dlundberg underscore. And you can get either... Well, you can get a hard copy, I believe, all the way over in the States. Uh, and finally, a very quick, as always, thank you, really, before I plug it, but a thank you to all of those who have uh, become subscribers uh, and Patreon members and basically um, a bit like you would with the fanzine, really. You know, Dave charges only a pound uh, and I work out we do four shows a month on average. So if you did a dollar a show, that's $4, $5 a month. Uh, and that kind of helps with the running cost of this show and it's very, very gratefully received, particularly via the Cock Tavern on a match day. No, I didn't really say that. No, it's lovely. Um, obviously, it's uh, it's completely voluntary. You don't have to at all. There's no pressure. But if you want to donate a little bit to the fan cast to say thank you, the best way to do it is via Patreon. And that is www.patreon.com forward slash Chelsea Fancast. And as ever, thanks to the many, many, many of you who have already done so. I, I really appreciate it. And, and it's, it's very heartfelt. Thanks for that. Right, people, I am afraid uh, that is all we have time for this week, although we have been rattling on, largely because we've had some very interesting stuff to talk about with uh, some of the esteemed guests. Uh, we will be back on Tuesday. Note Tuesday, not Monday. Tuesday, February the 6th uh, at 7 o'clock. Thank, thanks to Sky putting the bloody match against Watford on a Monday and therefore ruining my Monday evening, your Monday evening and uh, Liam's Monday evening too because he would normally go and play football. Uh, <laughs> what can you do? Um, we will be joined, of course. Jonathan will be here with me as, a, as always, but we've got Mark Worrell. The wonderful Mark Warrow, uh, a stable mate of Liam's, in fact, because he writes for ESPN as, as well as many other things, and the lovely Clayton Beerman. So uh, we'll all be on the show next Tuesday, and we'll be reporting back on the Bournemouth and the Watford matches. Be here or don't be here. Uh, be here. If you don't be here, I will be very upset, so make sure you are here. Uh, before that, of course, um, I will, as ever, be recording the Kerry Dixon show with the great man himself, 
uh, on Thursday this week. So make sure you download and listen to that uh, through the usual places, Acast, Apple, SoundCloud, you know the places to get it from. So there you go. Right, um, you can follow the show, of course, on Twitter, at Chelsea Fancast, uh, me at Stamford Chidge, Jonathan at Jonathan Kidd, Ollie at OJ Harbord, or, or just also follow, he, he writes far better than I do, lots of great stuff, he's got his finger on the pulse, this young lad, uh, and uh, a lot of his work can be seen at Chelsea underscore FL. Yes. And of course, Liam, Liam is at Liam underscore Toomey, T-W-O-M-E-Y, and of course, you can find a lot of his stuff at ESPNFC. They are very, very good writers, these two, they've got their finger on the pulse, they go to all the games, they're at the uh, press conferences as well. Uh, so do check out their stuff if you've enjoyed what they've had to say you'll understand why um, and believe it or not uh, there is a few blogs that go out on the old chelseafancast.com website too thanks to Gion who, who is responsible for most of it but also uh, Clayton Ken Barkway Martin Wickham the wonderful blow up north Jonathan Ellis the amazing uh, girl who likes balls all their stuff is up there I have now promised uh, Gion that I will be writing a blog for my own website how about that you know it's only taken me 10 years uh, but I'm going to do one for him every week, so uh, make sure you get a look at that too. Everything we do gets posted on Twitter and Facebook uh, at Chelsea Fancast or facebook.com forward slash Chelsea Fancast. So make sure you check them out, like them, and retweet them. That, my friends, is it. Uh, Jonathan, of course, as always, uh, you've been a, an amazing uh, co-host. I've promoted well, you. You're now a co-host. Uh, thank you, you Chidge. I'm quite overcome. Thank you very much. And can <laughs> I just say quickly, uh, can right. I thank Bonnie Rig Blues for coming to see my show during the week? Very nice. Oh, of course. How's how's the show going, by the way? Is it still no, going? No, finished. Finished yesterday. No, oh, yeah, no. Yeah. Couple of four star reviews. I thought they were going to extend it. Uh, no, we might be on again somewhere. A uh, couple of four star reviews, three mm. star review. Um, did all right. Did all right. Um, <laughs> I'm sorry, Jonathan. Bonnie Rig Blues, who's still listening, it says, Good show. I'm away for an iron brew and a deep fried Mars bar. <laughs> Good night. <laughs> I think he's alluding to my uh, Charlie Masonda diet. Anyway, there you go. Jonathan, you've been a... a, a <laughs> thank you. And once again, thank you so much. as always. And, and uh, Liam and Ol- uh, uh, Oliver, fantastic as always. Brilliant stuff, guys. Brilliant, brilliant stuff. Well, I'm going to better thank them, thank them individually now. Ollie, as always, you've been brilliant. Uh, real pleasure having you on the show. And uh, I look forward to writing an article for you tomorrow. Yeah, I look forward to reading it. Thanks for having me on again, Chidge. And uh, hopefully be back on uh, soon. Pleasure. Thanks, mate. <clears throat> Yep, I've got, I've got you penciled in for sometime towards the end of Sounds March, good. so that'll be great. Liam, as always, a huge pleasure having you on the show. Uh, but it's fantastic <coughs> to listen to both of you, actually, about all the transfer stuff. It's the kind of stuff we don't really get to hear too often. So that was brilliant uh, and lovely to have you on, Liam. No, it's always a pleasure to come on and talk football with you, with you, Chidge, and you, Jonathan. And uh, I'll see you tomorrow, Ollie. <laughs> yes, you tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> Lovely stuff. Well, we must well, we must catch up for a beer sometime soon. Actually, I mean, I know the London uh, London is Blue Boys are over uh, towards uh, I think the end of, end of March, but uh, you know we should try and catch up for a beer, both of you. It'd be lovely to see. Sounds you. great. Yeah, if there's a day without great a press stuff. conference in the next five months, then uh, we'll make that it would happen. be lovely. Well, there we that go. would be a dream. You know. <laughs> well, you know, get you out, get you out after the game. You know, I mean, if unless I, unless it's on a Sunday, because I have to drive back after a bloody Sunday now, which is a complete karma killer. But if it's a Saturday, then I'm usually found lurking in several pubs for a good few hours afterwards. So even after you've done your press duties, I'm still around for a beer. That's all I'm saying. Anyway, brilliant, fantastic show. Really enjoyed it tonight. A massive thanks and shout out going to everybody who listened live in Mixler. They are brilliant. 
They are the hardcore supporters of the Chelsea Fancast, and I love every single one of them. Right, we've got to go. Uh, thank you all for listening. See you next time. Until then, keep it blue, keep it carefree, and keep it Chelsea. It's the 90th minute. All your mates around. You've got your McNuggets share boxes ready to go. Your mates already got booked for double dipping and you steal the last nugget, snatching all three points. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. You in? At participating restaurants, 18 plus serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Hi. This is Craig Robinson from Ways to Win, and support for this podcast comes from Invesco QQQ, the official ETF of the NCAA. The future isn't scary, not realizing its potential, however, could be. Just like on the recruiting trail, I've seen potential come in many forms as a coach. Learn more at Invesco.com QQQ. Let's rethink possibility. Invesco Distributors, Inc., 